Hop Live. It's Free Talk Live. Talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160 is the phone number for you to call. That's 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. Jay Noon. And Joa. And we have some great news for everyone. Henry Kissinger has died. You guys know who he is? He is a diabolically evil man. Uh, there's all kinds of things about him just off the top of my head. Uh, he was, um, instrumental, I believe in China's one child policy. Hmm. He also, uh, met with, um, what's it, uh, Mao. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this guy ha- died a hundred years old. He's been a, like a career parasite for like, you know, his entire work life or, you know, adult life anyways, best yeah. I can tell. So, you know, he's got a lot of history and turns out he's murdered all kinds of people too, sort of directly and indirectly. Yeah. Whoa. That some would say uh that he's worse than Timothy McVeigh. Who who's McVeigh again? Isn't he a serial killer? Timothy McVeigh? Mm-hmm. He's the one um he's allegedly a, that did the Oklahoma oh, City bombing. Yeah, yeah. Uh in he was a Pat Waco. CIA guy that was set up. If anybody wants to know a bunch about this Oklahoma City uh thing, which was, you know, a massive inside job, kind of like, you know, nine eleven and, you know, all this other stuff. Definitely uh, 9-11 ones. I just haven't looked into the Oklahoma City one, but I believe it. I've heard a, so many people say A that. Noble Cause, I think, is... Um, a documentary? A documentary about... I believe that's what it's called. I gotta look into look at that, but I believe... Yeah, and it's it's pretty good, but... Yeah. <laughs> Not for another. The, the Netflix series recently about Waco, the, the second season gets into McVeigh, but hmm. um, it's actually really well done and you still you still really feel for these people but anyways the people that died or like timothy mcveigh um the people that that passed away and oh. you don't we don't really know about timothy mcveigh i'm i'm, Did he kill I'm himself weary after? no they they uh lethal injected him oh okay well yeah so, uh, there's speculation that he's probably not dead there's all mm. kinds of crazy stuff with uh but you uh, know with him i was just thinking today i hope john lennon isn't really dead yeah he is how do you know? <laughs> well, he he was killed in broad daylight. Yeah, but it could be an actor. It'd be really hard to cover that up, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, it would, but I just like to think that. Hmm. It would accomplish, quote unquote, their thing just if they killed John Lennon because they put it into people's minds like, oh, if you get, you know, rich and powerful and you start talking about peace, they might kill you. So, like, they wouldn't have to actually kill him. Well, you're right. The people that promote peace, they want to kill. And the people that want war, like Henry Kissinger, they let him to live to 100, 100, 100 years old. No well, lethal injection for that guy. <laughs> what made you bring up McVeigh? Like, why did you uh, The reason them? why I brought that up is because Rolling Stone, uh, Rolling Stone uh, magazine put out an article. Um, and uh, it's fascinating um, what they were saying. And I don't, none of us really like rolling stone but right geez they were really ripping them up i couldn't believe this was actually it's under this uh the the category good riddance on (laughs) their website and the the title of the article joe is talking about is henry kissinger war criminal beloved by america's ruling class finally dies (laughs) that's pretty that's terrible pretty intense the pretty uh straightforward 
But like, yeah, they 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 go on like right after they just mentioned that Dud, they go on talking about Timothy McVeigh. Like they don't even, you know, they they're measuring purely by confirmed kills. The worst murderer ever executed by the United States was white supremacist Tim, terrorist Timothy McVeigh. But then they go on to like the next article, so we can just skip all that. We all know about him. But you know, they then they compare him that he's killed more than Kissinger and uh, do- more than McVeigh. Mm. That documentary reference is called A Noble Lie. Oh, A Noble Lie. Check I, that out. The uh, it up. Oklahoma City bombing 1995 documentary. I believe they, they mentioned that here in this article as well. I think it's so funny that this picture of Henry Kissinger on the Rolling Stone um, article that says good riddance to him, he looks like basically a mixture of a whole bunch of the characters in Dr. Strangelove. He actually looks like... Um, the guy who's supposed to be Dr. Strangelove so much. And I forget that guy's name. Peter Sellers, who's so funny. Um, and he's like a bad, you know, murderer. He, he wants to make a nuke and for them to nuke the planet in Dr. Strangelove, if you've ever seen it. Yep. They're all in the war room discussing, like, what to do. Because yeah. they're going to get uh, hit by Russia if they don't explain themselves. And they can't because the plan went terribly wrong. They start going over the bunker uh, ideas. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. It's like uh, 20 women to one man. That was <laughs> they were like, oh, I think we all before that, right? Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, underground. They're like, we'll just go <laughs> underground and there'll be 20 women. <laughs> or, yeah. That is funny. That movie is like my favorite movie ever. But I'm just laughing because he looks like Dr. Strangelove there. He looks like he's in a war room. So it looks like a psychopath. Speaking of Kissinger, uh, years ago, uh, Luke Radowski of We Are Changed... Uh, we are change.org. Uh, Ambush interviews him. Oh wow! Oh, yeah, and uh, <clears throat> and basically, uh, Luke, uh, it was went something like Luke's like, yeah. So this, you know, we need to reduce the world's population by eighty five percent. And he's like, oh yeah, we got to get that done. How are you going to do that? And you know, and then he he's, he he's like Luke presents himself sort of as like you know, kind of like in in alignment and agreement with Kissinger and. And then about a minute or two in, Kissinger realizes that he's, you know, he's setting them up. Whoa. And uh, <laughs> and I don't know, like, he, and, and they ended up like, you know, security guys or whatever end up. Wait, you know, did he really agree out. with him? Did he say, yeah, we got to get that done? He didn't, No, no, he was pretending to agree with him. I remember you know? seeing this. Yeah, was, yeah, that was really good. No, but like, did H- Kissinger agree? Like, yeah, we got to get that yes, done and get yeah, oh, 85%. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why did he believe that? Maybe we can bring that clip up for the next segment or yeah, something. Yeah, I think we yeah, could. we'll find that. If, That'd be awesome. there's no cussing or something. But. Um, can, I, can I just bring up uh, this one juicy part about the article yeah, and yeah. who Henry Kissinger was and how brutal he was? So uh, it says this Yale University historian, Greg Grandin, I'm not really sure if we trust people from Yale, Yale University, uh, he was author of a biography, Kissinger's Shadow, estimated, so he estimates that Kissinger's actions from 1969 through 1976, a period of eight years, brief years, when Kissinger made Richard Nixon's and Gerald Ford's foreign policy as National Security Advisor and Secretary of State, meant the end of between three and four million people. Mm. So he, there's this guy's uh, saying that he's Henry Kissinger's policies... That includes uh, crimes and commission, crimes of commission. He explained as a Cambodia and Chile, as in Cambodia and Chile, in omission, like greenlighting Indonesia's bloodshed in East Timor, Pakistan's bloodshed in Bangladesh, and the inauguration of an American tradition of using and then abandoning the Kurds. So uh, Mm. this article doesn't read right. Um, uh, I'm not really sure who wrote this, but um, yeah. he he is responsible for a lot of policy changes which caused 
you know, a lot of death around the world. And, yeah. and it's still to this day, these policies. Imagine what's going on with his soul right now. Oh, it's rotten. Imagine. And burning in hell. Yeah. If it exists, because. Yeah. You know, and, and the thing is, is, you know, and so many people the next few, several days, so many politicians in the coming week are going to be like, oh, Henry, Henry Kissinger, you know, he was this great guy. He did so much for democracy and blah, oh. blah, blah. Yeah, yeah he make, did a lot for mob rule. You're probably right. Make a list of all the war criminals going to his funeral. Hmm. When you see them on camera, make a list because those people you will never, ever trust. It's a new holiday. <laughs> Kissinger Day? Yeah, the oh, LPNH, Libertarian Party of New Hampshire, made, I don't remember what the day is, but I think it's in September, the day that John McCain died a holiday. Oh. Hmm. And they shot fireworks that day. So sad. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a celebration when you shoot fireworks. Yeah, that's that's the whole idea. They oh, shared the picture of Meghan McCain crying over John McCain's casket. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know the, I know the meme was pretty pretty mean yeah it was mean but got a lot who of attention it? yeah oh yeah john mccain, oh, McCain was terrible he, he like crashed three planes well on yeah. accident well supposedly he's just being bad and how about this or he he's not <laughs> good <laughs> that, that's the least of what he did was crash planes <laughs> not to like he was so instrumental in like creating an army yeah. isis and you know creating these um you know enemies you know decades ahead of you know when they became actual enemies as you know Seems like what has been going on with you know See, the, the entire. And how did he learn all that? Because he got caught by the enemy. What a doofus! He got caught by the enemy. And do you really believe that? Don't you think? Probably spilled beans. A enemy lot of to time- who? The enemy of the people, or you know, because all these so-called enemies Same are, thing. are they're just CIA propped up sock pup- puppets. Is all they yeah. are. And, and 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 there's are there really is no in modern day in this modern day world warfare. There's no actual real enemies. Well, they're all just created. Well, it looks like we have a caller, so I'm going to go to them. Unscreen caller, what's on your mind? Are you talking to me? Yeah, I am. Uh, I was actually just trying to listen. I don't have the listen number. Oh, sorry. I don't know it off the top of my head. I just um, I'm going to put you on hold. That's uh, so weird. The that's a fun way to listen. Um, sorry, I'm not saying it's weird that he's just trying to listen like that. It's it's like the thing that popped up. Look, um, oh, I know who that guy is. Oh, I don't. Um, so anyway, 603-283-6160 is the phone number for you to call if you'd like to get in on the conversation. It also reminds me something that I didn't get into yesterday. I mentioned, but I didn't say it. We can talk more about it later if you guys want. I went and picked up, I don't know how many computers and laptops and computer equipments from the FBI, um, oh, and yeah. I don't know what to do with them now. They're just sitting in my car. Oh, but wow. From the 2016 raid on Ian's house. Wow. <laughs> 2016, eight years later. Yep. Seven years later, you're getting the stuff. Yep. You have to, like, take them to court over it. They don't just give it back. And usually they don't give you any back at all, but they um, gave us back because we got lawyers to make them. So that's kind of a thing to celebrate. Yeah, it's, it, it's a small win. But It's a shame that you have to hire lawyers, spend tens of hundreds of whatever thousands of dollars just to sort of protect your rights and, and yeah. lawyers aren't even good at that they can't even protect your law rights their you know their allegiance is to the bar bar association their allegiance is to the judicial pension fund if they have ever held a held a job working in a judiciary <laughs> you know it's just it's ridiculous yep i i agree i mean they're they the ones that you can get some that seem very um genuine and nice and like they believe that they're doing 
good things and they'll end up helping you but it just seems that it it's just human nature if your incentive isn't in the right place you might not be doing that as good as you could yeah. be I, I you know so i've had talks with many lawyers and i've definitely met a handful of these guys that are just what you said uh nice they like maybe really want to help and they're like oh I can't bring up that the state is just as legal fiction, mm, yeah. right? I, I can't bring up it's just a bankrupt corporation, a mere corporation as, you know, clarified by the Clearfield doc, Doctrine. If anybody wants to uh, internet search the Clearfield Doctrine, uh, it states pretty clearly in there that states are a mere, uh, that the governments that accept, accept money as part of their business and, and uh, is they're just a mere corporation, and they're all trustees and bankrupts. I mean, they're all just these cor- corporate um, f- um, <clears throat> uh, corporate fictions created by the United States Corporation. And the United States Corporation filed for bankruptcy at the Geneva Con- Convention in 1932. Whoa. So the state of New Hampshire, the city of Keene, you know, the Keene um, Water District, for example, all these things are just uh, bankrupt uh, corporations, bankrupt municipal corporations. Because uh, you know the the mother corporation or the or the, or the father corporation, whatever they call it, you know, went bankrupt. Um, <clears throat> and I know a lot of towns, uh, maybe Keene has already done it, but and there's different shell companies they put the label under. But uh, the UN has involvement with uh, waterways, and uh, specifically one of my hometown was the American Water Waste Agency, and it was uh, using using UN policy to enforce and basically take over uh, d- during an emergency over the waterways. Yep. And there, the, the, the contract wasn't complete at when, in my hometown, so they literally didn't even put in there that once they take over, they don't have to give it back. And they never... It's literally like a week later, there was a lot of flooding. They, uh, they took over. They never gave it back. Now, the American Waterways Agency... Is there in town just doing everything that the town was doing just now on their terms? And it's the U.N. It's the U.N. doing it. Yeah. Uh, this guy, Dave Kopaz, years ago, he used to do this. Uh, he still does a Facebook thing called uh, the Red Pill Politics Show. <laughs> but he used to go to gun clubs all over, like, western Massachusetts and New York, and he would talk about Agenda 21 and all these sus- sustainable development United Nations things. So what you have is you have United Nations building codes. So, like, when you go out to, like, Arizona and Colorado and, like, you know, places that are new, newer, like, newly developed, like, you know, this house here, it could be 200 years old that we're sitting in here in Keene. It's from 1890. So, you know, it's, you know, it's a little over 100 years old. But, like, you know, a lot of the stuff in Arizona and around Phoenix and Denver, you know, um, Nevada, it's a lot of that's new construction. So, they have all these homeowner associations type places where the houses are just cookie cutter. You yeah. know, there's five designs and every fifth house is, Suburbia. you know, the same thing. And, you know, it's it actually looks like a gated prison community as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I, I hate the look of them. And that's what I partially grew up in, like in um, Texas when I lived there. Yep. Everything looks the same. It's cookie cutter. It's first home my dad of her own, I'm pretty sure, was one of those cookie cutter houses. And it it drives you kind of crazy. Well, anyways, uh, pul- boring. Pulte yeah. Homes, which is like the Walmart of homes, uh my uh, mom lived in a community out in Colorado. Was Pulte Homes? Actually, mm-hmm. it burnt sh- shortly after she moved away. Uh, Whoa! Uh, yeah, Firestone, uh, uh, Bloom, Bloomfield, Colorado. Not Bloomfield. Did like ten houses around get caught up in the fire because they're so close together? You, you couldn't drive a full size pickup truck between the houses. Whoa! Uh, you know they were <laughs> they were basically like you know you know fifteen hundred square foot or twenty two hundred square foot lots with like you know two level three thousand square foot houses on them. 
and and they were uh, you know, uh, but anyways, that that whole area like burnt a few years after she moved. But when I when I was out there, uh, the girl I was dating at the time, she was very interested in you know looking up this um you know Agenda Twenty One stuff, and she was. And this house that my mom's in is like a year old. It's like, you know, literally really poor construction. You know, the seams are cracked everywhere. There's mold issues in it. There's all kinds of problems happening. And, and it was basically all these houses. And the company that, uh, like, I think they've gone bankrupt now, or they were going for bankrupt. But they basically got, like, several million dollars for this particular project. It was, like, called, you know, um, Yuppie Hipster Canyon Ranch something. Hmm. And... um it was uh, so. It's a bunch of tech people and a bunch of Sounds parasite like class and a bunch of I financials. Go, That's always what their names are like too. Like when I lived in in Texas, it was called Saddle Creek Ranch. Yeah, yeah. That yes. was just like all of them or something, something like that. called that. So I don't remember exactly what it was called, but they all had like these you know stupid fancy names because of some ranch that might have been there you know within the past couple hundred years. Yeah. And you know the thing is, is the whole front range was all ranches back then, so they just name it after whatever. Mm-hmm. So the um, the the UN, United Nations, uh, gave like several million dollars in a grant to Pulte Homes to basically build it to what's called UN uh, uh, building construction codes. And so like Colorado and the city of, you know, basically whatever. it's designed for tactical teams to break into your home efficiently. Uh, that too. <laughs> uh, well, the thing is, I'm just guessing. And a whole yeah. bunch of these, a whole bunch of these houses just like burnt like real quick. Uh, and, and when you, you know, build a whole bunch of homes right next to one another on a high desert, I yeah. mean, what, you know, what do you think is going to happen? Is it for them to be able to easily use a laser and just like start a wildfire in a bunch of people's houses? Uh, I think what it is, is it is to build houses that are basically purposely garbage. So like in, in Arizona, the way they're building these houses is they literally frame the house out, you know, it's all two by six studs and then they put up a piece of OSB, which is particle board, just in the corners to stabilize the house. And then they run what's called this wire lath or like mechanical wire. It's basically like this chicken wire is what it looks like. And they run it along and they staple it to the studs and they spray it with stucco. And that's then that's how they build the walls in these houses. Like you could literally, you know, with any hammer, you know, probably I'm sure with a, you know, a halogen tool and a, and a, and a good, you know, 12 pounds, you know, mall or sledgehammer i could breach the wall of one of these houses in about a minute is it is it planned obsolescence or just purposely uh well so it's it's neglectful it's it's the cheapest way for the contractors to like build these houses put them together to get the subsidy and make tons of money when i moved into saddle creek ranch it was only halfway built like the houses across the street from me hadn't been built we would watch them be done in like a month with one house like less than a month less than a month and they're like two-story houses and um, they they go from like you know the what like exactly what he's saying like you see the frames made of all wood and then like the next day it's halfway done. <laughs> like apparently, uh, you can go on Amazon right now and order a uh, they call it a um, uh, a guest house, right? And it's it's all it is. It's like a room, and you can put it up in like four hours. Apparently, full electric has got a bathroom, a shower, and it's only a few thousand dollars. Like. It's probably UN approved, you know, Agenda 21 approved. So, yeah, the UN definitely, you know, puts a lot of money into these, you know, sustain, sustainable developments. They give cities, counties, towns, construction companies, school districts, uh, all kinds of money to sort of uh, contract influence. Uh, and and what these things, I refer to them as jurisdictional traps. So you have these 
people operating these municipal corporations, let's let's remember, we don't have any governments in the, the United States of America. What we have is municipal corporations calling themselves governmental agencies. And let's make a, have a clear emphasis on the suffix al means similar to or like. This is in every single document, uh, every every single city charter that you know co- comes out of the United Nation, uh, the uh, Uniform Commercial Code, 1923, basically states that you know these these are municipal corporations that are governmental. They don't even use the word government in any of their documents. So, or, or, or in the charters, for for example, the Keene Charter is you know a real good one to look at. Um, it's that basic boilerplate, you know. Mm. Uniform Commercial Code Charter. But what happens is, um, and and the thing is, is people just go along with all this garbage and never even challenge it. They don't even say, well, where'd you get the authority? Oh, well, this comes from the UN. Well, how did the UN get authority? A lot of times they don't don't let you at all if you're in just like a small time thing. Like when I went to challenge my parking ticket, I asked the lady on the witness stand, I asked um, if um, Keen was a corporation. Or what corporation does she work for? And she was like, I don't know. I what? I work for the city of Keene. I was like, is it a corporation? And she was like, no, I, I don't think so. And I was like, I tried to motion to get her off the to you know throw away her testimony because she would didn't know what she was talking about because she works for a corporation. Yeah, she didn't know, know it. Who she works. And they were for. like, that doesn't mean that. That doesn't mean that she doesn't know what she's talking about. Like, move on, please. So in my wife's case, yeah, we, yeah, we did a discovery request recently. And in the discovery request, you know, she, so she's in her case. It's um, the plaintiff is listed as State of New Hampshire. Hmm. Now, yeah. <laughs> now in Circuit Court, now this is in Superior Court, but in Circuit Court they listed the plaintiff as the state. So what I put in a discovery request is, is to define who and what the State of New Hampshire is, mm-hmm. because if you look up the word state in a statutory construction manual in New Hampshire. Uh, it says state, United States, um, territories and districts, uh, and the District of Columbia is basically what it defines the state as. So I asked him to define who the plaintiff is because we don't know. I look up state of New Hampshire and Dun and Bradstreet, and it comes up with like 15 different entities. So, you know, who is the plaintiff? I have the right to face my face yeah. my accuser. And they're like, no, we're not going to answer that question. Yeah. We don't have to answer that question. It's, it's like crazy. perfect yeah. for appeals. Oh, I know. It is. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, these guys are so crooked. It is. Um, well, this is just what happens right before Empire collapses. Well, more coming up about Henry Kissinger dying, the disgusting ruling class that calls themselves the government. It's Free Talk Live. More coming up. 603-283-6160. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases. But Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction, and its features ensure Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible, and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol, and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. 
just wanted to know, uh, what did you mean when you, you said uh, illegal we do immediately, unconstitutional takes a little longer, the WikiLeaks document? What do you mean by that? Come on. No, 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 I mean it came out WikiLeaks. Yeah, I mean that is the in. It's Free Talk Live. It's talk radio that you control. And 603-283-6160 is the phone number you can call. That's 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. And Jay Noon. And Joa. And you might have been hearing some uh, audio I was accidentally playing on the air. But it is the video of Luke Radowski confronting Henry Kissinger. So we're going to get into that here in a second. But I just wanted to let you know about Dash. Dash is a cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. It stands for digital cash. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction, and its features ensure Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible, and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol. And decentralized exchanges are going to become a lot more important soon, and we're going to read a story about that later today. And in multi-crypto wallets, it's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at dash.org. And a big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit dash.org to learn more about Dash. Dash Dash.org. So I'm just going to go into our phone calls and thoughts first. We do have R- Ricky on the line. Ricky, what's on your mind? Thank you, there, Miss Bonnie. Uh, Brother Jay, been a while, and Brother Joe, the same to yourself. Hey. No doubt. Thanks for saying well, hi, Ricky. First of all, I got a couple things. That I'm going to be doing a kind of a mix it up here, so bear with me on this call. First of all, this is going to sound old, but I way back, I remember a certain brother, Mark, who's the only conservative action like, but he said about you, Miss Bonnie, A, you have the worst voice in the history of radio, which is not true, but I remember no, I he said didn't. several, I know, but I said several times, and I was talking to Brother Ian along the ways as you were starting, you know, this run on the show, how you're doing things again, but I think you're doing great. Thank I mean, you. I think you sound wonderful. I think you sound just about, you sound better than him sometimes. I mean, honestly, you know, you got you do good. I mean, I, I can't say enough good things he, about you. I call in every Wednesday. Thank you so much, Ricky. Oh, yeah. um, that's not really what Mark said, though. I just want to clarify. He just said, all women have bad voices for radio, so I can't help it. No, is that what he said? No, yeah. actually, brother, Ian said something different. No, anyway. Ian said that my voice is, like, good, and he loves my voice, so... No, no, Ian said, Brother Mark said that you have a worse sister voice in radio. Oh, I don't think so. No doubt. I thought that was terrible because you got your voice is just fine. Well, thank you. Yeah, there's definitely been some funny. Probably probably Mark thinks the same about myself and he probably makes fun of my accent in private, no doubt. You you have a great radio voice, Rick. Thank you very much. But now now that we got through that, another thing I want to go before I get into the important things about Kissinger. Last night when I was saying about things about a certain guy. That was a different call. I thought about that. Because you were actually on the phone with me. This is the guy that you were on the phone with me. And, you know, I did the same, rehashed the same calls what I did. And it was not the guy that was at Ian's trial. It was another uh, guy. 
Hmm. Yeah, he called and says he's a good guy and all this stuff. And I and called a him a statist. Yeah, it's a different guy. And this guy definitely was not because there's no way anybody can do a hundred high speed chases like that and not kill somebody or himself. Interesting. You know, I, I didn't remember the high speed thing about. Um, yeah, so he, it said he, had probably... he was proud of it. He had a hundred high speed DUI chases. That's, That's terrible. Ridiculous. Who's That's, this? That, no, I, I don't really know it's who he's talking about. But um, Ricky said that somebody called in and said that they were a cop or used to be a cop or something, and that they have done a hundred DUI chases high-speed chases is probably he's probably right it's unreality there's that's out that's out of touch with reality it might (laughs) not be be dangerous yeah the guy might have been lying seems exaggerated if anything i know it's ridiculous i i think the the man's not even a cop i promise you what would you have to say about henry kissinger okay now this is horrifying because you know ricky from the commonwealth is a made his famous predictions in that what's really scary is i said this morning you know, I was listening to MSNBC, and that's my ver- the liberal version of the Wall Street Journal. And here's what was said. Get this. This is this morning. Uh, yesterday morning. Yesterday morning, rather. Uh, what it said was, uh, as far as the, there's an un- unknown, unknown diplomat over there, and the Palestinians, when it comes to the hostages, they said that three hostages were killed in an Israeli airstrike, and there's still 10 more. Now, can I tell you something? I was saying privately. Now, I was going to talk to you off the air and give you this tip, okay, uh, when, I, when I went on last night, but you didn't hit me. Now, here's the thing. I said privately that morning, because I have insight and I know things. Number one, the hostage thing is BS, okay? And oh, they also said the family's being contacted. They're ne- think about this. See how ridiculous that whole hostage scenario sounds. That's all things a cover story. Okay, there are no hostages. Nobody's dead from them. Okay, the reality is that don't even exist. And the worst thing is I said privately to somebody and a couple people yesterday, don't tell other people. I was going to tell you off the air not to say anything. Because that unknown uh, diplomat, I promise you, and I'm sure, was Henry Kissinger. I freaked out because Henry Kissinger is a man that I have the highest respect for. Oh. Henry oh. Kissinger is probably Henry Kissinger, the diplomat, is probably the bravest man. Oh God! Around, hey, you know what it's like to be a diplomat? You know how many people want to see you dead? Do you know how many people I uh, don't want to kill? You yeah. know how many people Hen- Henry Kissinger wanted dead? Well, thank you for the call, Ricky. I, I think we should get into. Luke Grudowski's, um talking to Henry Kissinger. I'm not really sure what Ricky was talking about. Like I, He made a prediction that Henry Kissinger did something. I, okay, but then he died the next day. Hmm. So um, that's, you know, not that interesting to me. So I want to play this video. Luke Grudowski. Look at the 48-second mark. That's probably the best spot. This is different than yours. Oh, okay. It must okay. be different because it says a minute and 21 seconds. Um, okay. There is this video we have. It's off BitChute. It says, Luke Grudowski confronts Henry Kissinger, balls of steel, which makes me laugh. Um, Henry, I mean, Luke Kudowski, he is with this. He um, does have balls of steel. I've, I've actually, um, I've seen, seen them. them. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and he, 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 he's got them. And when he does his yeah, new videos, in the background they're hanging the in the background. But, like, I, I helped him install them on the back of his truck. Oh, you know, those. When, when, when Luke became a man in, in the summer, uh, in the spring of 2020 and got out of the city and came to New Hampshire, hmm. traded in his Audi and got himself a 
four-wheel drive diesel pickup truck, the first thing it did was hang a set of steel nuts off it. My gosh, I hate those things. <laughs> yeah, they're obnoxious. <laughs> they are obnoxious. But yeah, um, he works for We Are Change. He also is on TimCast now. And um, I'm going to play this video of him. It looks like there's some kind of a event, like eating dinner and people talking on this on stages and stuff and he goes up to henry kissinger's table and starts talking to him so here's uh what happened hi mr kissinger it's a pleasure how you doing i just wanted to know uh what what do you mean when you you? said uh illegal we do immediately unconstitutional takes a little longer the wikileaks document what do you mean by that come on no 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 i mean it came out wikileaks i think he said come on i mean there's another step on it in it do you know the agenda uh, of the Bilderberg? What? what are you doing this for? I'm just, I'm, I'm here covering this event. Just wanted to talk to you. Uh, we are change, and we want to know maybe what the agenda of the Bilderberg group meeting is going to be in a couple oh, days. Do you know? Get lost, please. Uh, how does it feel Let's winning get the? Lost. How does it feel winning the Freedom Award? Wow, he even sounds like Doctor Strange. Love. I, I wonder if they like. <laughs> Partially, no, I think he would have been too young. I was going to say if they based it on him. I think they might have. Either that or they predicted the future because he sounds like Dr. Strangelove. And he's like, I didn't know he had such a German accent. I think Dr. Strangelove was, uh, they were parodying somebody else that existed. Hmm. I'm pretty sure that they're making fun of somebody. Wow. Yeah. Well, was was that it? Like, I I thought he was going to start saying things. Like, maybe I let me try to go to forty eight. Maybe I am confused about. Oh, this is just him up on stage. I have a different clip. He's confronted him several times. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, there's multiple clips of him confronting him. One, Um, one, the one I was talking about, he was walking down the street. Okay. And I believe it was at Bilderberg or one of these, you know, type of things where Luke, you know, uh, ambush, you know questioned him basically it's still pretty funny all, all you can say is get lost about it get lost who are you talking get lost. who are you doing this for oh, well, I'm the emperor. for those who don't know anything about kissinger i think we should read this article from rolling stones just to kind of explain who he is and um what you know what evil things he did it says henry kissinger war criminal beloved by america's ruling class finally dies the infamy of nixon's foreign policy architect sits eternally beside that of history's worst mass murderers. A deeper shame attaches to the country that celebrates him. And it seems like most countries, like as in the governments, are celebrating him. Henry Kissinger died on Wednesday at his home in Connecticut in Greenwich. Just kidding, I made that part up. (laughs) His consulting firm said in a statement, the notorious war criminal was 100 years old. Measuring purely by confirmed kills, the worst mass murderer ever executed by the United States was the white supremacist ter- terrorist Timothy McVeigh. On April 19, 1995, McVeigh de- detonated a massive bomb at the Mura Federal Building in Oklahoma City, according to the official story, at least. And yeah, right. 168 people, including 19 children, died. The government killed McVeigh by lethal injection in June 2021, or 2001, sorry. Whatever hesitation a state execute, whatever hesitation a state execution provokes, even over a man such as McVeigh, necessary questions about the legitimacy of killing even an unrepentant soldier of white supremacy. His death provided a measure of closure to the mother of one of his victims. She said it's a period at the end of a sentence. Hmm. Kathleen Trenner, whose four-year-old McVeigh killed. See, this article doesn't read good. It's just, just. Noting that. Hmm. 
It says McVeigh, who in his own psychotic way thought he was saving America, never remotely killed on the scale of Kissinger, the most revered American grand strategist of the second half of the 20th century. The Yale University historian Greg Grandin, author of the biography Kissinger's Shadow, estimates that Kissinger's actions from 1969 through 1976, a period of eight brief years when Kissinger made Richard Nixon's and then Gerald Ford's foreign policy as national security advisor and secretary of state, meant the end of between three and four million people. That includes crimes of commission, he explained, as in Cambodia and Chile, and omission, like Greenlighting Indonesia's bloodshed in East Timor, Pakistan's bloodshed in Bangladesh, and the inauguration of an American tradition of using and then abandoning the Kurds. The Cubans say there is no evil that lasts a hundred years, and Kissinger is making a run to prove them wrong, Grandin told Rolling Stone not long before Kissinger died. There is no doubt he'll be hailed as a geopolitical grand strategist, even though he bungled most crises. I'm not sure what bungled means. Screwed up, messed up. Hmm. Um, Leading to escalation. He'll get credit for opening China, but that was de Gaulle's original idea and initiative. He'll be praised for detente, and that was a success, but he undermined his own legacy by aligning with the neocons. And of course, he'll get off scot-free from Watergate, even though his obsession with Daniel Ellsberg really drove the crime. So this guy's just got his feet or his hands in a whole bunch of different pots. Oh, yeah. Like, he seems to be behind a whole bunch of things that are just bad. I don't know how he was able to influence. I didn't I didn't see him or I never saw, like, video of him as younger. Mm-hmm. But Dr. he Stankler. didn't seem like a very influencing person hmm. as very old. But because he has such repertoire of, of over the years. But I, I like to maybe watch one of his older videos and see how he, his demeanor was and how he tried to sell himself. Because... I don't know how people went along with him. It's weird well, how that kind of thing works, though. Like, Hitler was not cute and not not very, like, charismatic to me, you know? Yeah. You can say the same thing about Biden. Mm-hmm, he's not. You know, and, and, and the reason, you know, the Biden crime family is, you know, uh, you know, got all these, you know, billions of dollars or millions of dollars or whatever from China and Ukraine uh, is just because of the political connections and you know and and Biden's just been a you know a career politician for example you know his entire life uh, you know literally has produced nothing has done no good for anyone they're, they're just masters of ignorance is and, what it is and, and the thing, well what they are is they're is they're psychopaths that'll stop at nothing to gain power and gain power they sell the, they've sold their souls to the devil a very long time ago you know all these guys I mean if you want power. All you need to do is just be willing to just do immoral acts. And if you don't get caught early on and you get good at it and you you learn how to, you know, bribe people, you learn how to, you know, um, engage in blackmail. You know, you I mean, and this was, you know, Jeffrey Epstein was, you know, very uh, instrumental in, you know, all, uh, this particular process. I think he's uh, uh, what Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> did was, well, <laughs> I, I think we give him way too much credit. I don't think he was even uh, one of the main blackmailers out there. I think there's there's bigger ones. You're probably right, but anyways, he was a blackmailer, and, yeah. and you know Jeffrey Epstein's story with his pedo island, where you know Bill Clinton went to, and you know, I don't know if Kissinger went there, but you know Gates was there, you know, uh, and his you know things with Bill Richardson, the governor of New Mexico, and their eugenics programs and all this stuff. Uh, they literally had cameras set up, and they would. And the idea was to record politicians with these fourteen-year-old girls that 
you know, the politician thought, well, maybe you know, she was 18 or whatever or whatever. Even in there's, there, there's politicians who are into boys. There's, you know, uh, you know, all these, you know, corrupt people. And, he, and you know, Epstein built this massive, you know, um, show of wealth and, you know, these bank accounts with all these money off, you know, and, and investments and whatever off, like, off literal blackmail. And like Joa says, Epstein's like Not one of the guys one. that got caught. So we know there's much bigger fish out there. And I honestly think... Epstein uh, is sort of irrelevant because Google knows everything about everybody now, hmm. um, and the algorithm, you know, an AI can, you know, you know, compute all that data. That's uh, why it sounds like that is a really terrible thing that Epstein might have done, but I don't believe that that's like the worst of what he was doing. It, it just doesn't seem likely to me. Like I feel like politicians are into way worse stuff than that, and can just order a fourteen-year-old to their house if they really wanted to, and don't have to go to. Je- Jeffrey Epstein's island or ranch or anything, you know, I I feel like they're probably like murdering people, killing babies, raping babies and stuff like that in his like they're it's all covered up. Well, like, so it's really hard. It, so it's it's better to go to a private island for these guys where technically there's no law. Hmm. Right. So like Christopher Columbus, um, who's a rapper there, most deaf. He, he he does. I believe he was a guy. His name's really Christopher Columbus. No, no, no. Christopher oh. Columbus. Uh, I was talking about, you know, the guy who, you know, sailed from Spain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, most, 1492. Right. The, so there's a rapper, most deaf, mm-hmm. who he talks about how Christopher Columbus was the original Jeffrey Epstein. Dang. And he goes into how the purpose of Christopher Columbus's voyage was to find a place where there wasn't against the law to rape children because if you raped it, if you raped in Spain, you were uh, you you were castrated. Hmm. If you raped a child, you were castrated and then you were burnt alive, which I believe is like a, a, a good remedy for rapists for, for 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 those who do those things to children. Um, and uh, so, uh, here in the United States, where people have guns, you know, um, if you know somebody goes and you know is is raping you know children, and th- they catch wind of it, and their father wants to go do something about it, or someone you know wants to get some justice, it might happen here, mm-hmm. but it's not quite likely going to happen on you know Epstein's island. That's why it was called P- Pedophile Island. It was a this was a known destination. I was talking about Epstein's island literally in high school. Wow! In fact, I, I didn't it, know that was like. Oh yeah, it, it was definitely a thing, and I I had so many people tell me I was crazy. Whoa! And then when this all came out, I got a bunch of text messages and wow, and and uh, Facebook uh, um, uh, instant messages from friends I went to high school with, and they're like, "I remember you talking about this in the '90s, dude." I I really thought you were just nuts, <laughs> and um, and I was like, "Yeah, this, you know," and I was listening to like uh, you know, Alex Jones before you know. You know the uh, World Trade Center, t- you know, um, your inside job, mm-hmm. and Alex Jones was calling it, essentially saying that there was probably going to be an t- attack on the Twin Towers. You wow, know, uh, I didn't know that. And and because I graduated high school in '98, and uh, what I, so I was you know running my gay business, doing my things, and I was listening to a lot of late night radio, and Alex Jones was on there quite a bit, and um, you know, and then uh, uh but yeah, th- this. Uh, and, and he was going off about uh, Epstein and even VH1 back in uh, in the 90s, in the late 90s. They uh, did a whole expose on uh, Jeffrey Epstein's, um, I don't know, if it was like a show called Cribs or something. Mm-hmm. Really? Uh, yep. They have a whole, uh, uh, VH1 did a whole puff piece on Jeffrey Epstein about so how it's like he's he, show, he showed them around his house? I don't know if it, it, but yeah, there was definitely a place that he like showed off how he mm. was this like investor guy and he went from being like a, 
uh, a school teacher at a university in New York to like this big time, you know, um, a financial mogul. So I, I found a uh, connection between uh, Kissinger and Epstein. Hmm. Uh, I guess Joshua Cooper Ramo, he's a FedEx board member. Hmm. Uh, he owned a company and Henry Kissinger and Jeffrey Epstein were co-CEO of his company. I don't, it doesn't explain which one it is here. Hmm. Um, but, um, I guess, uh, Joshua Cooper was, uh, Ramo was one of, uh, Epstein's, uh, clients on his plane and, um, and had big connections with him. Uh, Wait, what's that have to do with Kissinger? I got a because uh, Joshua Cooper Ramo owns a company, but doesn't explain in this article. Hmm. It's articles about Epstein and his, his like his cl- uh, clients and like his uh, what do you call it? His business goers, whatever you call it. Yeah. Um, he um, explains in this article that the Journal reports Epstein scheduled more than a dozen meetings over four years with Ramo, who was at that point a co-CEO. Of oh of Henry Kissinger's consulting company. Hmm. Oh okay, so he Jeffrey worked with Ramo, and then Ramo worked f- for it was co CEO of, of uh, Henry Kissinger. But think company. about this. I just think like the PizzaGate stuff, which by the way, so the guy who, dang it, I forgot his name, Sloan something. I think no Slade S L A D E something. Not familiar. He's was a journalist, and he claimed to be the one to um, decisively prove that PizzaGate was fake. Well, he just got caught um, admitting in emails and stuff that he was raping children and taking videos of it and with a bunch of CP on his computer. And he was involved with the Pink Pong Pizza? He was a, no, but he was a journalist. Oh, he was saying it wasn't real. That said said that he proved that it was all a fake conspiracy theory. Well, he just got caught with all that stuff. Ironic. Um, Well, yeah, you look at all these journalists and these news organizations that come against like, um, for example, the Sound of Freedom. How they, you know, there was a whole bunch of war, you know, Sound of Freedom was like basically Mel Gibson and, you know, a bunch of others exposing uh, Angel Studios uh, and uh, exposing the child pedophilia rings that are happening in in uh, United Mexico. States, in Mexico, and around the world, uh, Ukraine is like a huge hotbed for this. In yeah, fact, I've heard na- that. now I'm hearing uh, Israel's another huge hotbed Whoa. for this. Uh, so, <clears throat> and then here, you know, in, in America, they've been harvesting all of these migrant children. Like, you know, yeah. they're coming across the border, and I don't know if they're going into the. They get uh, taken away from their parents. So, like, who's taking, keeping track of them? No one knows. Like, people in Mexico who knew them might just think they died in the desert. Their parents are in jail or something. And yeah, they're getting and separated from their parents. So what what the heck is the United States doing with all these kids? And what gives them the right to act like they can take them from people's parents? So so it's definitely a lot easier for them. I mean, so let's say that adrenochrome, uh, you guys know what that is? Yeah, it's when a kid is so scared that their brain is releasing these chemicals and then you kill them right at that moment and drink that blood. Well, yeah. I don't know if they kill them, but they extract the blood oh. is how it goes. So they drain them to the last inch of life and then they, they let them recover. Whoa. And, and and they keep doing this over and over again. Now, especially uh, if they the, find a good source. The thing is, does what what with this adrenochrome thing does it exist? Is it a real thing? Is this a hormone that's that that is produced? And if you extract this, is this like the ultimate like drug? Hmm. So there's a lot of like you know stuff that like politicians and like you know are, are these these Hillary Clinton for example is the yeah. big name when you you know you internet search adrenochrome and she's what shows up. Uh, I don't know if any of that's true, but it sounds like that it can happen. You know, we- I, I I have this really crazy story. I was um, 
delivering something to a hospital, uh, like tables and chairs, whatever. But I was in like a hallway that the public usually doesn't get to see. Mm-hmm. And there was like a auditorium where doctors go and, you know, they get taught lessons or updates on, you know, things they need to learn because doctors have to constantly learn. Yeah, for um, sure. And right outside that little auditorium, uh, there was a painting and it said dark moon ritual. And it showed this lady with like a, a mask on and she was uh, sacrificing, it looked like a fetus. Whoa. And pouring what? the blood into a bowl. Holy crap. I took a picture of this. That's crazy. Yeah. There's some weird art, artwork yeah. in the courts in New Hampshire, too. 603-283-6160. It's free talk live. You can call that number to get in and on the conversation with us. 603-283-6160. More coming up. Eleutheromania. The insatiable desire for freedom. We have been enslaved for all our It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. that you control 603-283-6160 is the phone number for you to call that's 603-283-6160 and with you in the studio tonight it's me bonnie jay and joa and jay has something he'd like to share with the listeners so you can go ahead jay so as many of you guys know i uh, am very passionate about investing in our posterity so uh this year at anarchapulco i will be doing a presentation on how not to screw up your kids basically is mm. almost really the bottom line of my presentation. So we're going to just talk, I'm going to talk about uh, how not to screw up your kids and which a lot of people are doing sort of unknowingly. Uh, and um also going to talk about how you can invest in our posterity, even if you don't have kids. So this is going to be at Anarchapulco, which is going to be, I believe uh, February 11th through 16th, uh, Anarchapulco, um, uh, in Acapulco, Mexico. Uh, the website is anarchapulco.com. Uh, go out, go there, check out. There's going to be all kinds of uh, really good uh, speakers. It's going to be a great meet and greet. It's, uh, um, and also Acapulco, uh, the hotels are all scheduled to be open uh, by like end of January. Uh, I'm here and now, uh, you know, by the 1st of uh, February, some of them uh, are planning on being open for Christmas. So we're basically have a green light to go. The The whole event is happening as it should. So go to anarchopoco.com. And if you go to buy your tickets and use the promo code J that's J A Y, you will get 10% off of your, um, your purchase there. And it's going to be a good time. Um, I'm going to be there for also the uh, week after for, uh, what they call Agroforco, which is sort of like, you know, uh, a, a fork fest type situation happening down there and there'll be all kinds of uh, different events going on in fact i'm hoping 
to be able to have a blacksmith op, a blacksmith place, uh, a shop to uh, do some blacksmithing during uh, Agriforco, uh, you know, the man camp stuff that I, I do at uh, Pork Fest. So, uh, yeah, anarchopoco.com, uh, coupon code J. Nice. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, I did find the correct video, by the way, that um, Joa and Jay were talking about where Luke Radowski of We Are Change confronted Henry Kissinger. So that's what is going to be playing now. Hey, good to see you. Just a simple question. What did you mean by depopulation should have been the priority of U.S. foreign policy against the third world? Oh, shame me. I'm not wanted for mass murder in a different country. It's unlike you, sir. How does it feel? All the millions, all the... Dictatorships, all the overthrows. We will be held accountable for them one way or another. Good job, Luke. Nice. Well, I thought there was more conversation there than that, but that yeah, it, is he still pretty give good. Much of an interview I'm glad at he all. got to say that to him, but all the guy says it's shame on you. It's ridiculous. Shame on you. <laughs> and it's just like shame on him. What world is it shame on Luke for saying that to him? Like, he's the one that well, in, killed people. In his world, he is part of the oligarchy class. He is part of the ruling class. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he thinks that, like, everyone else is, like, this subculture of peasants that they just own. Yep. And that's the way these guys operate. That's, you know, and that's the way, uh, I mean, this is the way that anyone who gets power that has an agenda operates. And, you know, when you're in these positions of power and, and like you're born into them, like Hunter Biden, for example, mm-hmm. um, you know, you just see that, you know, these people just become diabolically evil. They become wrapped up in all kinds of stuff. And, um, you know, it's 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 what's going on. And, and the thing is, is, you know, thank God there's media out there like Luke Radowski to, to actually, you know, go and, and, and do these things because, the the masses, you know, most of your normies are going to think that this uh, Kissinger guy was this swell great guy because everybody's essentially been programmed, you know, by the algorithm now. But even all the old people are programmed by, you know, cable news. Yep. You know, the, and and it's just <laughs> without people like Kissinger, we would be all dead right now. That's I, what apparently Ricky thinks. I don't usually judge people based on how their voice sounds, um, <laughs> but he just sounds like he developed the evil voice, sort of right. like you know. Uh, Klaus Schwab. Right, right. I'm Klaus Schwab. You're gonna own nothing and love it. Zelensky, he's another one. You know, he's got mm. one of these like you know, f- you know, yeah. fake Doctor Evil voices. Um, <laughs> even uh, Joe w- Biden. who's the other guy? Um, Netanyahu. Yeah, he's got that really deep mind. Like oh, really? he wants like murder everybody. I yeah. haven't actually heard him talk, but I saw him holding up a, a map that said future israel and it's all yeah, israel it's all covered there's no gaza you know you uh, good thing you brought that up though because like um there, there was this new documentary out i highly recommend it it's mm. uh, called israelism and it has to do with uh, americans taking their pilgrimage to israel for their jewish you know heritage whatever and tradition and they get suckered into joining israeli forces whoa so about 1200 americans each year Join Israeli forces to run checkpoints and raids, and who the heck knows what they've been doing right now, oh. uh, if even Americans are even allowed to fight in this war of a sorts. But um, yeah, it's uh, sorry that was me. Oh. that was me playing Luke again. Um, but yeah, it, it's a fascinating perspective because it's actually the kids are the ones who are exposing it. Hmm. The kids that are going on these pilgrimages and and coming back and like 
Yo, you mean the, the we, kids of the people who go on, like the the, the the children of the guy, the American that goes on his pilgrimage to become an IDF soldier, their children are exposing it? Well, the, the kids that are actually going and doing it. Oh, they're so just by like kids, really you're meaning they're like 18, 19, 20. Yeah, yeah, okay, they're yeah. just like, they're 18 years old, they, they go on these pilgrimages paid by this like uh, wealthy billionaire Zionist. He admits he's a Zionist in this mm. documentary, and like he's like, yeah, I'm a Zionist. <laughs> he's like laughing about it. I'm like, what? How evil is this? And like... And then you see these Americans running checkpoints on Palestinians and and witnessing Palestinians get beaten and you know all kinds of things, and they don't say anything until this documentary came out because they they finally like, had enough and like we we can't allow Americans to go and do this. What exactly is a Zionist? Uh, well, they believe in like the creation of Babel, which is really metaphoric now because they know they can't reach the, the uh, heaven by building hmm. a tower. Uh, but it, it's a uh, a method of basically depopulating the world, I think, for just a chosen few, which is like probably these global elites in their own methods. And you probably know more about it, Jade, than I do, but I mean, I'm pretty sure it's about end times. The, the Zionist is like this, uh, you know, culture of people who basically want to rule the world and control everything. From what I understand, I'm not like, you know, if I don't have a textbook definition of what a Zionist is, but they, you know, they, they came out of like, somewhere around the Ukraine, Khazar or something, there's there's a whole bunch of, and, and, and it's a million definitions depending on who you're going to talk to about it and who you're going to ask and what their political slant is or their cultural beliefs are. So are they but, actually a whole bunch of people who converted, that were Ukrainians and converted to Judaism? Well, the, it's called like the Khazar, it's basically where Ukraine is now, but like thousands, mm-hmm. hundreds of years ago, oh, okay. you know, it was like this Khazar re- region and, and the lineage or, or the history goes way back and they've always just you know, sort of uh, <clears throat> caused trouble everywhere they've went in history, uh, it seems like. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you, everyone I know that is of Jewish descent, literally everyone I know that is of a Jewish descent, uh, first off, um, many of my Jewish friends, uh, you know, are um, like really honorable. Um, actually, all of them are. They're they're good people. They're generous. Uh, they, 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 you know, they're well-meaning. They have, you know, good aspirations. And they all... Except Mikey. They, I'm just kidding. Are they all? Nah, <laughs> you're not, you're yeah, not he, lying. Mikey has value. I'm joking. Um, but uh, they they all essentially are very much against the Zionist stuff. They're very much against the government of Israel. Hmm. Um, and they, but like a lot of their relatives and stuff are just normies who just you know they're NPCs that do what the algorithm tells them. They follow the the, the narrative. Hmm. Um, and. They they have like relatives that are all upset. You know that this is this stuff's happening in Israel, and it's like. It's and 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 but it's like the Israeli government is just another tyrant, just like you know whoever is controlling Palestine, which I think is a faction of the, of Mossad essentially, based on you know what I understand. But all these governments are bad. Uh, Zionism is uh, is essentially they're just a, a, a maybe a race of people that you know think they're elitist and they want to enslave the rest of the world. Is basically the bottom line from what I understand. And, and all my friends that are Jewish oppose Zionism. They oppose the Zionist state. They don't like it because well, most of my friends like freedom. I, I try mm-hmm. not to associate with people who are statist anyways. Yeah. So, uh, but most of the freedom people just are, are, you know, all the freedom people I know of are just not into these governments having any power, whether they're Zionists or not. But the Zionism, the Zion, Zionists, they're bad. They're just bad, evil people. Kind of like Kissinger. I'm sure he's yep. probably a Zionist himself. You know, who knows? It did well, say that he had to escape Germany as a child uh, because of... Um, World War Two, so maybe he was Jewish. I, I don't know exactly what he believed or anything. 
Um, and being Jewish, of course, doesn't make you a Zionist. Just you got to say it. I I can't um, let that be left to obviousness for people to um, figure it out themselves. That I think that because people will just say that you hate Israelis if you don't like the Israeli government right now. Oh, yeah, they'll say you're anti-Semitic, and so, and, yeah. and there's no greater a- example of anti-Semitic than the Israeli government. Hmm. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. So Zionism, um, its primary goal. Uh, was to establish a basis for Jewish homeland in Palestine and uh, thereafter to consolidate it. Hmm. Yeah. So basically, because Zionism is to completely control Palestine, which which they would consider Israel, all yep. of Israel. Well, it sounds like uh, Netanyahu is probably that then. Well, let's get, um, continue on this Rolling Stone article about Henry Kissinger, which is titled, Henry Kissinger, war criminal beloved by America's ruling class, finally dies. It says... No infamy will find Kissinger on a day like today. Instead, in a demonstration of why he was able to kill so many people and get away with it, the day of his passage will be a solemn one in Congress. And shamefully, since Kissinger had reporters like CBS's Marvin Kolb and the New York Times's Hendrick Smith wiretapped newsrooms. Shame. Okay, so... Like, I, I think Joe said it, it right, right, that this article doesn't read very well. I kind of got confused about what that meant. Kissinger, a refugee from the Nazis who became a pedigreed member of the Eastern establishment Nixon hated, was a practitioner of American greatness, and so the press lionized him as the cold-blooded genius who restored America's prestige from the agony of Vietnam. Whatever that means. According to Joe, he was just, uh, you know stopping ceasefires and stuff like that in Vietnam. Not once in the half preventing, century... Preventing a ceasefire from occurring. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I said that. Um, not once in the half century that followed Kissinger's departure from power did the millions the United States killed matter for his reputation. Nobody cares. Except to, like, not nobody. Obviously, libertarians Of course care. nobody cares. Yeah. Um, and nobody probably cares, but... Nobody loves you. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, but that being said, the most the average normie doesn't care that he's Henry Kissinger killed millions of people. We had R- Rich Ricky, who claims to be a libertarian, call in and praise Kissinger. It says um, it didn't matter for his reputation except to confirm a ruthlessness that pundits occasionally find thrilling. America, like every empire, champions its state murderers. The only time I was ever in the same room as Henry Kissinger was at a 2015 National Security Conference at West Point. That means Luke Kardowski's got him beat. <laughs> he was surrounded by fawning army officers and ex-officials basking in the presence of a statesman. Which people <laughs> do that to every single politician. You can be yeah, a weird. New Hampshire state representative. It doesn't matter. People will start fawning over you like you're great. Well, and it's got to change. This is the pathetic, low-confidence, you know... Uh, kind of people like so so for example like a lot of like what was going into the military for mm-hmm. example uh according to silver dave was a bunch of white kids who were on probation you know that you know for drugs or whatever you know from out in the country and then a bunch of black kids that were on pro that were you know was either go to military or go to jail or mm-hmm. military or probation uh and 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 the, you know these two cultures were were polar opposites you know ghetto inner city kids and you know redneck white kids uh you know from out in the country and that was you know a lot of them were there because it was either that or you know some kind of jail time Hmm. and 
Then you have the other type of people who are joining the military who they fawn for it. Yes, they are. They lust for this power. They want to have this power. This is your psychopath class uh, of, of, of people who want to be in these positions. And then you have also these low confidence people who want people, you know, to to take care of them and protect them because, you know, they don't have confidence themselves. So, you know, these guys, you know, want government. And also the low confident people, you know, degenerate essentially into these welfare recipient type, you know, uh, parasite class individuals. Military uh, from, is just work flavored uh, welfare. No, it's, it's well, essentially, and and uh, it's um, you know, it, it, a, I know a lot of people went in the military that really wish they hadn't. You know, that's where they woke up, and they they, uh, they sell them, you know, they sell themselves um, to a certain degree, and if they're willing to accept it, they rise up. You know, and then you're willing to sell yourself a little bit further. Yeah, go, you know, kill that family over there. Okay. Well, you raised, you went up the ranks a little purple bit. Purple heart. I don't yeah. know. No, you get purple <laughs> heart when you get hurt. Oh, yeah, well, if whatever. you get a bullet or something, you get a purple heart. Yeah, but anyways, uh, the, the thing is, is there is a lot, there's a lot of lost men in their, for, for generations now in America who, uh, you know, aren't interested in having kids. They're not, they're, they're not married. Um, they're not interested in getting married. They, 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 they want to, you know, do this uh, military thing. And this is why transgenders are perfect for the military because yeah, if they, sure. they don't they they're not going to have kids. The family doesn't want them. No offense. And uh, yeah, it's just like a perfect scenario for the military because they have nothing to go home to. And that's well, why Ari was always against the transgender get people getting the quote unquote right to join the military. Is that it's just a more abusive, a new class of people. Yeah, and 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 it's and now uh, you know the uh, there's just. Going to be now. There's an you know, ep- epidemic of you know men loneliness happening here. There's such a divide between men and women. The uh, you know the the governmental influence on you know supporting you know all this anti-family stuff just you know right along from like you know grade school from the internet devices from pop culture you know right up into the to the school stuff and all of the uh, gender nonsense. Is basically we're going to have a culture of a whole bunch of, and we do have it right now, a bunch of lonely men that are basically going to really be the only thing they're going to be good for is military. Uh, so, and then you make the economy so horrible that nobody can really, you know, pay their bills or survive unless they join the military. So there'll yep. be a lot, right. a lot to do that. And and, and a lot of uh, people are joining the military quite because they're getting um, loan de- deferments from their um yeah, to go to know, college. from their student loans. Yeah, well, that, definitely. Like, that was another thing. Biden did a $125 billion loan forgiveness. Did you know that? Yeah, I did, but I thought it got like taken back or something. Again? No, he did it again. Oh. He really? did it after the Supreme Court said he couldn't do it basically. Well, I didn't know that. Um I I know, knew he did it and it got like taken back. But further devaluing your dollars in your bank oh, account yeah. and yeah. your uh, but also you increasing pay, the value of your gold, silver, and crypto. They they think you should pay for the kids who went to college and are going to become lawyers, college funds or college payments tuition. Basically, all he's doing is just supporting the parasite base because mm-hmm. the bottom line is most people who go to college go to work in the parasite sector, right? Or or the plurality of people going to college. I wouldn't say most go to work in a parasite sector, right? So you know all these things for early childhood development and art and you know the gender studies and all you know all this. College isn't for liberal degrees. Lawyers. College and, is not for degrees. We all know college is college is for partying. It's for <laughs> indoctrination. 
It's and, and it's doing it's for uh, creating a, a cultural revolution and is very instrumental. I think it's huge for babifying people because yep. like you're yep. not out of high school yet. You're still getting taken care. Like a lot of people's parents still continue to buy them everything while they're in college. Oh, uh, these which kids is crazy. are super and, entitled. And super entitled. Still children, and they're, they're like twenty five. They're I, I, and just to generalize, a lot of these uh, college students. No offense, keen college goers, but. <laughs> They seem very arrogant and uh, like, like sort of uh, uh, what do you call it? openly ignorant. Like mm. they they purposely are not wanting care. to learn. They do know and they just don't care. Yeah, yeah. They just they just it's the world is like revolving around Keen, like Keen College Jesus. or something. Like it's it's weird concept. When existence and, and if you look at these kids who who uh, got into some kind of trade, so I'm I'm you know 44 years old. I got I know. a a handful of these kids where I grew up when when they were kids they were into farming they they like came and helped helped out a lot on our farm they worked with other farmers they were you know into the trucks and they were you know into like doing mechanic stuff so a lot of these kids uh you know they went to um they they do tree work they do work on the power lines they're they're mechanics now and they're not kids anymore they're adults but if you look at a lot of from my observation uh a lot of uh, my generation that went to college got saddled with massive debt mm. and that they can never like, they basically can't pay off. Uh, they're living with their parents. And then uh, a lot of the kids who went like I, I know of three or four kids who went to lineman training school. It was like a six month course. It was down in Atlanta, uh, somewhere around Atlanta, Georgia. It was like four or six thousand dollars. And. You know, as soon as they get out, they're making like ninety five thousand, a hundred k a year. So they're working on the power lines. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, like they're working mm-hmm. for National Grid or EverSource. Even even doing uh, tree work, like clearing trees and cutting trees. That's really trees. dangerous, apparently. Yeah, but you don't need any uh, prior training or anything like that. It's like, good to take a course about it, but you can stop making like you know forty fifty dollars an hour. I had a boyfriend right in Texas that just started working for um, it's called like TechStar or something. But um, he was doing fiber optic stuff. He just started off being like a lackey for the other guys. And he learned through the job how to do the fiber optic stuff. And then later he's making a whole bunch of money doing nice. that. Yeah, he was being an apprentice. Yeah, he didn't have to so, go to school. So like all, all these guys that I know that sort of like apprenticed in repair shops or they went to school. Not all of them. When I, so there is an exception. So I, I definitely know one guy. We graduated high school together. Mm-hmm. He went to school to be a diesel mechanic. He went to Lincoln technical institute and did the whole diesel mechanic thing uh and i just you know started doing my hay business and my horse business or or continued with it i was kind of working on it when i was in school high school also but today he's just a drunk and a drug addict and um you know and that beat dad Uh, it's kind of a sad situation because you know this is a guy he was you know good looking nice kid everybody always liked him um and uh but he was one of these like skilled talented guys that just sort of lost his ambition but uh, my buddies who who you know there's a lot of people who didn't start doing drugs that you know have are are really struggling in life right now and a lot of it's because of their you know the career choice they did is uh, not paying out too well uh there's a lot of competition there they went they, they got sold on this college thing and too many people went to college too much of my generation went to college and not enough of them did trades hmm. so this is why the tradesmen right now are very old or very young. And there's a yeah. huge gap of like 30 to 50 year old tradesmen. And they're all like, you know, getting in young because it's super lucrative right now. Yeah. And 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 uh, those are the guys that are living a good, happy life. They got their you know families. They got their stuff figured out as the ones that 
Uh, and, and there's a lot of them went to college or living good, happy life, too. And and they're doing all right. But, you know, it's like, and even going forward, I mean, if like, if you want to, if you like fixing stuff and want to be a mechanic, uh, the future is very bright for you, I think, yeah. because. Uh, I, I don't understand, because I know this guy who's a mechanic, and he's also like, he's not like a drug addict, drug addict. He just smokes weed all the time, like those stupid vape things. And he's a deadbeat ba- dad, and I don't know if he dr- drinks, but how could you possibly be poor and be a mechanic? You po- constantly are in need Tools of work. Tools are expensive. You can be lazy, <laughs> lack yeah, it's, motivation. That's what it is, and it's probably weed. 603-283-6160, what do you think? More coming up, Free Talk Live. The Shire Free Church offers a sanctuary to those seeking an escape from state churches. The Shire Free Church is an interfaith, diverse group of people that may not share identical theological beliefs. As a member in or minister of the Shire Free Church, you are a sovereign individual and may be the faith of your choice. We don't claim to have all of the answers. We are open to all peaceful people. We want to learn from each other. What unifies the Shire Free Church and its diverse members is peace, love, and liberty. There are many paths to God, one for every individual. The Shire Free Church does not define a specific path beyond these parameters that must be your foundation. Peace as your way. Love as your guide. And liberty as your light. Learn more at church.shiresociety.com. That's church. .shiresociety.com Talk Live, it's talk radio that you control. Anyone can call in at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, you've got me, Bonnie. And Jay. And Joa. And we're going to continue on for at least a little bit. I don't know if I'll be able to read this whole article. It's pretty long. But we're celebrating tonight that Henry Kissinger died. And we're reading the uh, Rolling Stones article about him titled, Henry Kissinger, war criminal beloved by America's ruling class, finally dies. That's just such a great title. I mean, it's not like any one of us here like love the Rolling Stones, but it's a pretty epic title. It says, not once in the half century that followed Kissinger's departure from power did the millions the United States killed matter for his reputation. The only time I was ever in the same room as Henry Kissinger was at a 2015 National Security Conference at West Point. He was surrounded by fawning army officers and ex-officials basking in the presence of a statesman. Which, as we were talking about last segment, is something that needs to end people who thinking who, people who think that those high up in the government are just honorable. Yeah, no, you don't give people just credit. Like, jeez, mm-hmm. that makes psychopaths rise to the top, I think, in that way. Yep. It's like every time I go visit Ian in jail... I passed by this art that looks like some children made it or something. It's so weird in this, yeah. like, mostly empty hallway before I get to the window to go visit him. And there's this one that says respect. And it's like, you think I just, you owe me respecting you, stupid <laughs> cops? There's, um, I, I remember seeing a sign. I was in Cape Cod recently. 
and it um uh, whatever the cable company or the electric company is out there i forget um national grid so yeah it was either national grid i forget what it, what the actual place was but there was a big like banner on the sign going into the entrance and it said um uh compliance is excellence like or something like that what? i was like compliance <laughs> compliance <laughs> compliance is excellence i mean that, that, that's what school teaches that's mm-hmm. what college teaches that's why i don't Just like follow the rules that's why i don't like 4-h i'm like really into agriculture and promoting agriculture and you know raising your kids in agriculture I hear this, 4-h why and but because like, 4-h is you know so 4-h has like a lot of good things so 4-h yes. is like you know the farmer kind yeah. of thing so like 4-h any county fair you go to you know, they'll have a sheep competition, a pig competition, and, you know, like, my kids are going to, you know, the the plan is they're going to raise a 4-H type sheep. They're going to raise a 4-H steer. Uh, show sheep. Know, show yeah, like rabbit. Show. But, but so when you raise, like, a 4-H pig, you know, the idea is you're raising this pig to be, like, a pig that is, like, a nice pig to, like, to, to, to harvest, to butcher, to turn into meat. And then they have, like, at some, at like, at some of these really big ag fairs, they have, like, a little auction afterwards where, like, the best pig gets auctioned off and like the kid gets his like this crazy money for the pig or for the steer um <clears throat> colorado like you know some of these you know uh steers will bring uh you know twenty thirty thousand dollars you know for the one steer does you know that wins a competition and basically the kid gets so but with the 4-h it's like so he- much emphasis on government regulations oh, the compliance oh, yeah, filling yeah. out the forms they push oh well just government subsidy government subsidy it's like it, it it's basically you know the government you know sort of it, it, a lot of it is just following you know uh you know the government is heavily inf- influenced by the local department of agriculture the state department of agriculture all of this stuff. And this pledge sounds like exactly what you're saying. I, I was looking at what do the 4-H stand for because I forgot. It's head, heart, hands, and health. And their pledge says, I pledge my head to clearer thinking, my heart to greater loyalty, probably to the state, my hands no. to larger service, probably to the state, No. and my help to living, better living for my club, my community, my country, and my world. Wait, hang on a second. All right, so nothing about the individual, nothing mm-hmm. about Just, rights. Yeah. Let me give you... A synopsis of what 4-H really is. Okay. And, and, and Jake went over a little bit. But it's basically just a um, a farm school. And it's like a like a homeschooling sort of type of thing. And they meet outside. They meet at farms. They meet at different places. Why do they show up at your public school, too? That's the only way I'd ever heard of them. And they, yeah, it, it's just a private. This is a private thing. And they, you know, they just basically learn how to take care of animals and that sort of thing. And learn anatomy and that uh, of, of their animals. And, you know, they, they try to raise... Um, a pristine version of that breed of animals. So, like, if you have a goat, you want to make sure that they have, you know, nice thick thighs because you, you know, is that mmm tasty? You know, mm-hmm. like you want these nice animals to to be, uh, to show to show off, and maybe someone will buy your breed and they'll breed it, and you've done a service. And these kids are basically, um, you know, providing that service in a certain way in learning how to. You know, breeding techniques, if necessary. <laughs> I don't know exactly how far yeah, they go with it. they're about genetics and, and breeding techniques yeah, yeah. and, you know, how to maximize and confirmation of animals. Like, you know, horses, for example, I'm very good at horse confirmation. I can I can watch a horse walk and I can tell you if it's lame. I can watch hmm. a horse trot and tell you where he's probably hurting. You know, I did it my entire life. I, I can look at a horse and tell you how much it weighs. Uh, I can actually look at a cow now and I'm like within 50 pounds on a cow wow. on how much it weighs because I... 
put, I've been putting cows over the scales the last couple of years, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I, I had, you know, uh, some auctions that we went to as a kid, you bought the horse by the pound. So the horse would be in front of me and it's, you know, 910 pounds and, you know, they're selling it for X amount of cents a pound. So you got it. That's probably why I'm good at math. You know, my dad was like, well, you know, it, it, you know, if this one's a dollar 35 a pound and he weighs 940 pounds, you know, how much is he, you know, or, you know, so these things you kind of had to like, you know, have an idea of how much the horse is going to cost. Cause, but some auctions, they would sell the horse just by the head, not by the pound. But anyways, 4-H yes, has a lot of these really good things, teaching confirmation, teaching genetics, teaching, you know, about sicknesses and disease and all this. But the, the like, oh, government subsidy, government mm-hmm. subsidy yeah, stuff just drives me nuts. And if you fall in love with a sheep you raised and offer to pay for it and everything, they will come to your house and shoot it in front of your kids. Oh, God. Um, like if they decided it's become a pet. Well, I mean, so like the kids can be, you you can send them away. So when we butcher animals at our place. Yeah, but <laughs> it's just, just like the point, like they don't want that animal to die. They've decided it is their pet now because they're not farm kids. They're 4-H public school kids. <laughs> yeah. And then you can tell them like, no, you're not going to come to my property and take the pig and we're not going to bring it, but we'll pay you for it. And they'll come onto your property and shoot the kid the pig or whatever it's happened there's been stories we've covered on free talk live and that's crazy wow. um it's like okay yeah the kid agreed to give it to 4-h but i don't know sounds like for the the so the the programs that i've seen is like these champion like you know oh, wait, hog, maybe for i'm example. talking of um sorry i i think i'm talking of nhl ffl ffa that's it. future farmers of america yeah FFA. not 4-h yeah yep. so they're, they're they're pretty similar but um i i, I did a lot of like 4-h stuff with the horse with mm-hmm. the horse industry uh over the years and yeah there was always a representative there that the, the, there's a huge emphasis on doing what the state tells you wow and being compliant it's like those people Obey. would visit us in public school the dare people the drug um, anti-drug people would visit you and one thing that I always say but people never tell me like oh I had the same thing like Ian said he's never heard of it is people would come to our school and tell us if you see something out in the woods and it looks like a bomb don't touch it because it could be a dud from the civil war or something what? Uh, that would happen in my school all the time but that was in Tennessee I don't know if maybe it's but maybe. no one has ever told me like I remember that happening it was just it was like just my class or something I, I love watching these um they they call it magnet fishing. They have mm-hmm. like this really heavy magnet, and they th- tie it to a rope, and they uh, toss it off a bridge. Mm-hmm. And um, they did these guys did it uh, recently, and they 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 have us all the time. They find a gun, they find knives, wow. um, but they sometimes they find art- artillery shells <laughs> and uh, other uh, oh, well, ammunition, okay. a shell, artillery no. ammunition, but something that could be a dud. That would be so. No, scary. these things could blow up, mm-hmm. um, oh. especially when you take them out of under uh, from pressure water. So they could just start uh, activate and they like dynamite, for example, the one guy pulls up a box and it's like full of water and there's a bunch of dynamite in it. Whoa. So when you have dynamite, that's like soaking wet. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't take what I'm saying as like, you know, the tr- the actual facts. facts of this. But from what what I understood is the dynamite was kind of stable being submerged in the water. But as soon as it starts like um, being um, uh, drying off the chemicals inside there start to oxidize which can basically cause a spontaneous explosion of the wow. dynamite it's crazy <laughs> and, uh, you would think like soaking wet dynamite would just not blow it, up it was like one of them's a huge bundle of like soaking wet di- dynamite but as, as it starts drying off it basically becomes I get it. very unstable it, yeah. and wow. like the, like this uh cop shows up and he's like yeah they pulled a bunch of dynamite out of the uh what looks like dynamite out of the out of the river and you hear on the radio 
get everybody away from there. It's <laughs> yeah. unstable, you know. And the cops like, we gotta everybody just leave. You know, get away from here. And they like called in the bomb but, squad to like get you know. T- it was a bunch of dynamite. And, and, and another crazy thing that happens is a lot of times is that the police want to arrest the magnet fishers for finding these that's things. so stupid. <laughs> oh, my God, that's Yeah, terrible. when they're, like, possessing illegal guns that, that they just pulled up out of the, and, and they yeah, got on yeah. video. Oh, now you're possessing and, an illegal gun. And, wow. And committed in a crime, possibly. As soon as they, they're pulling these guns up, they're like, all right, we're going to call the police, you know. And <laughs> that's like, I saw this video of these people who, um, they knew there was, like, a hollow spot in their wall, something like that, like, they they had a house that was old, and they broke down a little wall, and they found, like, a whole bunch of old money. Yeah. And they were like, wow, look at these big freaking blocks, bricks of money. So they called the cops. Oh, yeah, smart. Stupid. And the cops started taking it. They're like, wait, we can't keep any of that? And they're like, no, no, you're not going to be able to keep any of that. <laughs> it's like, what? what? Well, why'd you call the cops, first of all? It's that reminds stupid. me of, like, when I was working, Um, I did some construction work, and we were working at a university, and we we're uh, breaking down the drywall, and behind the drywall, spe- uh, specifically around like the wall sockets, where there was bags of drugs everywhere <laughs> in the college Whoa. behind the walls, and I, and it just reminded me because like I was asking my boss, "Can we keep it?" He's like, "No, no, no, no." I'm just I'm just kidding. I was gonna say like you'd have to at least <laughs> test it. That would be scary to start taking some drugs, some random drugs behind the wall. <laughs> well, going on, we we got distracted because we were talking about how people shouldn't um, be all fawning over and basking in the presence of statesmen, acting like they're noblemen. But it says Seymour Hirsch, the investigative reporter who was the most prominent exception to the fawning coverage of Chris Kissinger, watched journalistic deference take shape as soon as Kissinger entered the White House in 1969. Quote, his social comings and goings could make or break a Washington party, unquote. Hirsch wrote in his biography, The Prince of Power. Reporters like the Times' James Reston were eager participants in what he, Hirsch called an implicit shakedown, an implicit, an implicit shakedown scheme. That is access journalism in which reporters who got inside information in turn protected Kissinger by not divulging either the full consequences of uh, his acts or his own connection to them. Kissinger's approach to the press was his approach to Nixon, sniveling, (laughs) uh, okay, I don't know what the heck that word is, obsequiousness. No idea. Although Kissinger could vent frustration on reporters that he never could on his boss. Okay. Hirsch quotes H.R. Haddleman, Nixon's chief of staff, remarking that Kissinger was the hawk of hawks inside the White House, but touching glasses at a party with his liberal friends, the belligerent Kissinger would suddenly become a dove. Like how he was all like, shame on you. Shame on you. To, shame on you. Yeah, to, the, to Luke <laughs> You like that? That was good. Suddenly he was not a monster. Reviewing one of Kissinger's lit- litany of books, Hillary Clinton in 2014 said Kissinger, a friend whose counsel she relied upon as Secretary of State, possessed a conviction that we in President Obama share, a belief in the indispensability of continued American leadership in service of a just and liberal order. Kissinger told USA Today within days that Clinton, presumed then to be a president-in-waiting, ran the State Department in the most effective way that I've seen. That's what Kissinger said about uh, Hillary Clinton. Hmm. The same story noticed a photograph uh, autographed by Obama thanking Kissinger for his continued leadership. 
It says, oh, I thought this said Kissinger's accent. Kissinger's ascent occurred through an obscenity that time cannot diminish. In 1968, Lyndon Johnson agreed to peace negotiations with the North Vietnamese in tacit recognition of the nightmare he, building on the works of his two immediate predecessors, brought to life in Vietnam. Kissinger, an influential Cold War defense intellectual at Harvard, had access to members of the diplomatic delegation to the Paris talks. He used it to feed information to the negotiations from the negotiations to Richard Nixon's presidential campaign, a campaign whose defeated GOP rival Nelson Rockefeller Kissinger advised. And despite Kissinger's closer political ties to the coterie around Hubert Humphrey, Nixon's Democratic rival. Um, I don't know why what all that crap is it's talking about. Basically he did he made it to where um they didn't end up doing the peace agreement. Hmm. It says Nixon ran for president claiming to have a secret plan to end the war. His advisors told Hirsch they were deeply afraid that Johnson and Hanoi would reach an accord before the election. He would That's save typical elect- election propaganda. Well, it says that he, it would save lives in Vietnam, American and Vietnamese, but it would undermine Nixon's hopes of exploiting the... So, like, that's the thing. Like, they don't care that it would save lives. They they want Nixon to win the presidency. Right. So they're like, oh, th- I'm afraid that the war could be over before... Um, th- that the war could be over before we get elected president. So he was hoping that wouldn't happen. And that's just totally evil. That's in alone evil enough to call this guy evil. But it says... Um, Nixon gratefully took what Kissinger gave him to make the U.S. proxy regime in Saigon, whose regime peace would stabilize more intransigent. No agreement was reached until 1973, and the war ended in American humiliation with Hanoi's 1975 victory. Oh, we do have a caller on the line. Um, caller, what's your name? Dylan. What's on your mind, Dylan? Uh, I just wanted to talk to you guys about Lex Mercatoria. What's that? I know I've- Lex Mercatoria is the, I think it's a Spanish word for law merchant. I might have that wrong, but it means law merchant. And uh, I know I've talked with Joe and Jay a bit about it. And I'm actually curious to hear a little more from Jay about what's been going on with the guy that he knows that does seminars on, I don't know if it was more common law stuff or Lex Mercatoria. Um, I think it's an important thing that's overlooked a lot, especially in our community. Okay, it's Spanish for uh, law market, but or merchant. But what does it mean? I I can give a definition real quick. It's a a body of law consisting of the recognized and cus- customary commercial principles and practices of merchants, rather than formal statutes and regulate regulations. So, what is it yeah, you want to tell so, us about it? Well, uh, so law merchant is. Kind of like a, a mythical thing. If you talk to Harvard professors, things like that, they act like it's a myth, right? Or mm-hmm. lawyers. There's this old, yep, like it's this old legal system that had private courts and they remedied things quickly when there was world fairs and there was a dispute over some kind of, you know, merchandise or whatnot. Um, but the truth is that if you look in the UCC in the United States, that they talk about the law merchant. What's and the UCC? The common law. Uniform Commercial Code. Oh, okay. And in other countries, the Commonwealth countries, such as the UK, Canada, uh, New Zealand, Australia, they have something called the Bills of Exchange, and they actually reference law merchant as well. 
and common law as being the kind of governing uh, bodies for bills of exchange, promissory notes, promissory notes, uh, I believe bonds as well. So, you know, on one hand, we're being told it's a myth. There's no, there's the. I was going to say, um, basically like when certain towns or whatever don't have, uh, like regulations or policies in place for certain things, they use the law merchant as a, as their guide. Uh, but it seems like every town and city has been taken over by their own sort of, uh, procedures and regulatories and policies, whatever. So, uh, you can declare, you know, Lex Mercatoria, is that what you're saying? Lex Mercatoria. And uh, you can cl- like claim that in the court is is what I'm getting at. What you're getting at, and you could, you know, uh, use those rules, the law merchant rules, in the court versus the uh, the policies and regula- regulations in the area. I'm not sure. I'm not so sure about the, um, you know claiming that or initiating that. My understanding is that it's been superimposed international law, commercial law is what it's more commonly called. Um, my understanding is that they've superimposed it over the law of the land, which would be, you know, the law of the United States of America, um, not necessarily the corporate United States of America, but the, the Republic, if it's still up there somewhere. But they've superimposed it. And so what they're doing is they're, they're playing the law merchant game above all the other jurisdictions, and they're not telling you, right? And so one of the interesting things that I've found pretty pretty convincing of this is when you go to court and you challenge jurisdiction, they treat you like you're some alien when you start asking what proof they have, and they just kind of assert themselves like they have it. Um, so in Lex Mercatoria, law merchant, it's, it's uh, allowed to have a tacit agreement, which in contract law in the United States is not allowed, right? You have to have a meeting of the minds consideration well in law merchant you don't you can give someone um, notice and if they don't respond and do what you've said uh, they can end up in a contract like if you say hey I'm coming over to your house for three months sending you this letter in the mail I'm gonna live in your guest house you don't respond you show up you start living in the house well in the law merchant system that's a tacit agreement you haven't said no that sounds terrible. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're using these with the 5G weaponized technology. So if you look at the smart meters, mm-hmm. do you guys know anyone who's had a smart meter slapped on their house? I don't know, actually. Yes. So do you know, have they said, did they get a notice beforehand? Yes. Yep. About and the smart the meter being thing. installed? Yeah. Correct. And so if you don't respond, it's like, oh, you tacitly agreed to it, so it's fine if it gives you cancer or whatever. Bingo. And so there's a guy named Cal Washington of the In Power Movement, and I called in about this before. And so he's well aware of this, and this is actually where I learned a lot of this from. And so he's actually created this notice of liability. And so he's responding. He's Mm -hmm. helping people to respond to these notices about the smart meters and other things. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, oh, well, Okay, I agree, conditional acceptance, if you can prove that it's safe. And if you can't, I'm going to charge you X amount of thousands of dollars per day. And so now what's happening is you've created a counteroffer. So the, the notice, the original notice is the offer, and you've created a counteroffer. 
And at first the lawyers were like, oh, well, you can't do this. There's no meeting of the minds here. And so he was like, this is the meeting of the minds. You gave us notice. You gave us an offer. This is the counter offer. And uh, so it's a really powerful tool. And they're using it all the time on us. And it's uh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, you and, know, what I hate about um, the courts is just that they assume jurisdiction over you. And if even if you write them explaining why you won't appear in court because you just you don't agree to it and it can't be settled in court, the judge will just put you in jail for um what's the word um con- not Default. no not Default liking word. the well the word that's for like being rude to the the court. What is that called? Like the not just contempt. Contempt of court. So Wilhelm Reich, I just learned this recently. He's a really cool, interesting doctor. He was kind of uh, super interested in like sexual things whenever he was a um, psychoanalyst. But then he started learning stuff that he was realizing. Then he became like a regular doctor, and he started realizing that basically cancer was being created um, for a different reason than they originally thought. And he started doing all these things and figuring out that he was healing people who were, like, terminally ill of cancer, 100%, just by putting them in these boxes where um, he was keeping out, like, EMF and all this stuff from the air and letting their, what he called orgone energy, which is just, like, life energy, his that's what his theory of it was, would accumulate in this box while they sat there, and then they would be healed. It was crazy. And the government went after him so hard for this, for curing cancer albert einstein was ignoring him even though he proved it to him that it was real he went to albert einstein's house and proved it to him and um he was like ignoring him he's just in on it too i hate albert einstein but so whenever they first brought charges against wilhelm reich he wrote the judge saying i can't appear in court because this is a matter of science and matters of science can't be determined it was a beautiful thing i quote a part of it on twitter but the judge just found him in contempt of court for not wanting to appear and it's just like they don't have jurisdiction over you. They can't determine whether or not something is true according to science when they're just fake. I got one more thing lawyers. to talk about. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. More coming up. Free Talk Live. And it's talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160. We've talked about a lot of different subjects tonight, so obviously you can bring up whatever is on your mind, and there's no taboo topics here. It's free talk live. And I'd like to thank Dodger, who's a gold-level amplifier with us here at Free Talk Live. An amplifier is somebody who amplifies markets, promotes, and supports the show. And if you'd like to donate and get the perks that go along with donating... And help out the show here, you can go to amps.freetalklive.com. That's amps.freetalklive.com. Thank you so much, Dodger. And I'm just going to go, well, Joe, did you have more you wanted to say about that law? Um, I think it's just um, a way to get the judge to um, 
basically dismiss your case. It's hmm. not really. I, I like to read more into it, but from what I could see so far, but I like to know more. Bring bring up um, if you call in again about that merchant law. Try to bring up what it's really all about. Hmm. Get into like the nitty gritty, maybe a little bit synopsis of it for radio. You know, but well, we have somebody else calling about um, laws. So Footloose, you're on Free Talk Live. You want to talk about natural laws? Hey, what's going on, Bonnie? What's going hey. on? Hey, Joa. And uh, who else is in the studio? Jay Noon. Oh, Jay, what's up, buddy? I was talking about you today. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, no. I heard my ears ringing. <clears throat> I, 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 I was thinking about, uh, we were thinking about putting you as a witness in Shallon's case, mm-hmm. seeing how you're someone who's been targeted by the same people she's been targeted by for essentially being uh, into the freedom movement. Right. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, hit me up offline and we'll talk about it for sure. So I did call in to talk about natural rights, of course, and I'm going to keep it broad and then I'll try to uh, get a little bit more detailed on on it. But you guys will, will pick up what I'm throwing down right off the rip. Um, am I wrong to say that natural rights are endowed to every individual upon their birth. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So the question I have is, does a state have any rights? No. 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 They have privileges and immunities and powers derived from the people. Correct. So I know I would agree. So, But hold on. What's your definition of state? Because... Like I have stated, you know, the state is defined by New Hampshire as state, United States, District right, of right. Columbia, territories, and jurisdictions. That's so all I they would, define state I would, as. I would define my definition of state is basically the, a government, any government um, who tries to claim certain borders and things of that nature. Right. So this would be across across the globe and does a state have a right if it doesn't have any rights it can't have a right to self-defense correct right so and in my reasoning for for coming up with that is Mm -hmm. a state has no self to defend i agree i agree self is an individual yeah the state is an amalgamation of people and you can never kill a state Right. Right. So there's a state cannot defend itself because it can't be killed. It's just an idea because it's not even so, alive to begin with. Exactly. And so what I'm, the, the point of this is because people keep bringing up that a certain state yep. has a right to self-defense. So if one state has a right to self-defense, then so does another. And we are in this vicious cycle of circular reasoning with the Israel-Palestine question. Yeah. And it's like, people are telling me, Palestine didn't exist. Palestine never existed. It was, it was, it was never a, a thing. And it was a region. It was known as the region of Palestine. And we know this. And we know the Zionists know it because the Zionists chose Palestine to form their 
right? It, so they chose it because it wasn't a state right. yet? What is it? Um, are you saying they chose it because it wasn't like an official state like we think That's of? That's what they're trying to claim. They're oh, okay. trying to say, oh, it was just a region. It was just a region. But, but it was a region with all kinds of people living in harmony. There's, yeah, different you know, religions all living in harmony even. Correct, correct. So there are, they're not all Muslims. I know a bunch of Palestinians. There are Christians. There are secular. And the same with Israelis, because Israelis aren't Jews. Jews are people who practice a certain religion. Right. Jews Israelis are, are Zionists. Jew, Jew, exactly that. So there are there are Christian Zionists, there are Muslim Zionists, Trump is a Zionist. A lot of these people are Sununu is a Zionist for sure. He did that anti BDS uh, executive order saying that the the executive council is not allowed to do business with anyone who any business or person who speaks out about. Um, yeah, it stands the, for boycott, the, yes. um, boycott divest, divest there we go, and something else. Um, and they're saying that people who are speaking out and saying that they just don't want their supporters, to, just want their supporters to boycott um, companies that work with Israel or whatever, or that come from Israel, they're, they're using the state to say that other parts of the government can't do business with them. And that just sounds crazy to me because it's those people's free speech and free association Correct. rights. Texas does the same yep. thing. A whole bunch of states yep. do the same thing. A lot of states do it, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it's, uh, Sununu is up to his tyranny again, and he did that little executive order a few months ago, and I did. If anyone is on Facebook, follow the BDS New Hampshire. Um, Sununu follows it, just so you know. Uh, the BDS New Hampshire Facebook page is my wow. page. And, yeah, so I followed Sununu with it, and he, he does follow our page. Um, and I put some good links up there about stuff like, you know, what is this is from myjewishlearning.com. What is a Jew? Is it a race? It, no, it's not. It's a religion. There's all different races of people who practice uh, Judaism, right? It's always so, so confusing to me. Like, so many people from Eastern Europe who um, say that they're like Ashkenazi Jews, they're just people who. Their like ancestors from a long time back were like in my case Ukrainians, and then they converted to Judaism, and then it's like my great grandma stopped being a Jew, and then they were just a religious for a while. How does that make me like? I don't believe that that makes me actually Jewish today. I used to think it did because I was like confused, but now I don't think that that makes me Jewish. It just means my great grandparents and and onward back used to be some sort of religion, and then like. Great grandma stuff. You're a Puritan, right? Because you're you're a descendant of Roger Williams, so you're Puritan. Yeah, right, right. Like no one would say that <laughs> because I am a descendant of did. Roger Williams. But <laughs> well, most people would not say that because, like, no, I'm not a Puritan. Never went to a Puritan church, you know. Right. I mean, back in the day, we were born into a strict culture and family, and like mm. you were born into a Irish Catholic. You were raised Irish Catholic, and that's why, like, my mom calls herself Irish Catholic. Because she was raised that way, but she doesn't believe in any of that stuff. She's completely into all kinds of, like, New Age hmm. stuff. But she considers herself Irish Catholic. But you, So you, I don't know. I think people just have things very confused. And a lot of it, if not most of it, is intentional 
because they profit off of these wars and off of these bombs. Oh, and I don't for know sure. if you guys heard about that. Elbit Systems is is an Israeli company that's based out of Merrimack, New Hampshire, and they're making suicide killer drones. They're suicide drones, and they're using them in the tunnels um, in you know Israel, Palestine, whatever you want to call we it. We need to go protest this place. So, Where are they? They already so recently some three women drove up from Mass like a couple weeks ago and attacked. They spray painted it and lit it on fire and all kinds <laughs> of stuff. Mom. Seriously, yeah, Google that. So that's this Elbit Systems that I was already onto it before. I've been talking about it for months. It's funny people met. They were like, "Is this that place you were talking about?" That's how I heard about. Were the they attack. located? So you mean it, 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 Merrimack. Merrimack, New Hampshire? So, so three women, like that's really stupid. Like you're gonna go to one of these military defense contractors who's gonna have every like angle, every square inch of all around that place just covered in surveillance. And it looks like they let it happen, Jay, because they were on the roof and they were, you know, if you read the article, it's like it seems like they were all over the the building and they would allow that and probably pay to have it happen. Just so they could put it in the news and be like, "Look at us, we're being attacked." This victimhood stuff is, and it's a hate crime. It's just too much, you know. When they're the ones victimizing everyone else. Oh, did it? They did a great job. Those protesters. They they put paint on on the sign and they got on the roof and they had a flare. That was impressive. <laughs> Well, it sounds like what he's saying is true, then, that they let it happen, because how do you let a couple women go do that? Right. You should have, like, security. It's crazy. So another false flag. And, you know, this, another a friend of mine, he, he told me, this Israel-Palestine thing, it's like, it's like the Wizard of Oz in, in The Man Behind the Curtain. And it's the last layer of deception with when it comes to the media and all this stuff that we're dealing with, with that, right? Because the Zionists do control the media. It's not Jews. It's Zionists. Let's keep it straight because it's, it's Christian. There's Christians. Not all of them are even practicing any belief system. It's the globalists. The globalists and the Zionists are the Satanists. Zionism is Satanism. They invert the truth. They'll, pro- they'll pose as any religion or thing or type of person uh, or group just to do the opposite. You know, like let's say they're a child molester. They do something like start teaching martial arts so they can get around kids all the time. Zionists right there for you. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Hmm. So there are Zionists in the libertarian movement as well. Well, we do need to be careful of that. Also, you know, so I've been, you know, doing a heavy deep dive into New Hampshire DCYF. So DCYF is seriously ripe for the predatory class, especially child molesters, because what happens is. Well, I'd like to say I I said Satanist, but I usually don't use that term because there is a group that calls them Satanist. That's not what um, Frank is talking about. I I call them the cultists like they have occulted knowledge that they purposely don't let the average person know about. And then they go and use it to control the world. Those people obviously exist. And I, I believe that. And but, uh, DCYF is going to have to be a part of that. Yeah, and, and so if you look at, for like... For sure. Look like, at like, the YDC case. 
Right. Yeah. The YDC case. You you interview, interviewed that guy. Like the um, what was that fella's name that you had on the your? The cops sh- were in on it. The counselors were in, everybody. They were all in on it, covering it all up for years and 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 taking advantage of people and then use grooming these boys and girls to be badass gangsters and killers. Yeah. So can can you quickly pitch how someone can find that uh, interview you did with that guy real quick, Footloose? It's on Absolute Defiance. Um, it says I think the title is Sadism. Uh, rape, sadism, and torture in New Hampshire. It's the Adam Cardano interview. Uh, I was asked, somebody reached out to me and asked me to do the interview with him and to just get some exposure on it. And so, um, yeah, I did that. And it's a lot, it's gotten some good views. People, it does need to be seen more and shared more. And when you hear his story, it's just, absolutely mind-blowing and i've got emails because i also got the ydc we've been doing rallies for that and everything i've got and, and spoken to some people and, and and have emails of some of the stuff that happened and they were tying these boys down and having them sodomized by dogs okay in new hampshire in the 80s and they were videotaped yes and so it's not just ydc this is the other thing with that case it's, there's uh, 15 other contracting agencies that are implicated in the whole lawsuit with victims. And so there's all these juvenile facilities and camps and things that they were sending kids to. And some of these places I was at, you know, I was at a lot of these places. But NFI North Country, Eckert, um, Eckert Academy, they call it. Where they send boys out in the woods, and you got to live, you got to like make your own shelter, and they live in these little log uh, cabin type they, things. They also they sent a lot of the kids that were staying at the the Sununa Youth Detention Center recently. They sent them to a place in Tennessee, which is like, yep, they do that too. Uh, I was actually shipped to Pennsylvania, a place wow. called George Junior Republic. I did nine months as a juvenile in George Junior Republic. That place was scary. Um, it was 95% inner city black gang members. Uh, there's a couple different George Jr. facilities. The basketball team was sponsored by Nike. They were nasty, but was in Amish country. Anyway, yeah, I was there for nine months, and it was like crazy. I won't even get into all that, but uh, it was crazy. But any, anyways, I just want to give a couple examples of why working for the state is the most protective and ideal place for someone who is a predator of any kind. Oh, so yeah. especially yeah. a sexual predator. You so <clears throat> here's you the thing. Give me the ideas, Jay. So so with DCYF file. They make the file on the kids and they say, Oh, the kid's liar. It's uncredible. So we had a whistleblower come forward who ex- told us how they do the how they did this for so many years because they train these ombudsman people who go through all the complaints from the kids, they, they say if there's anything flagged in their file that says trauma history or uncredible, you just you ignore it and you, and you don't even look into it. And, and the files and so are sealed. If you're flagged as that, you're done. So They can do whatever they want, and they know how it works because they created the system for this purpose. Yeah, so all the files are sealed, so it's, it's almost impossible. So I don't know if you're aware right now, but I'm a, I've am i actually sent affidavits to Leah Cushman, and several other people have too, 
uh, to investigate DCYF. In fact, um, I'm going to be calling on a legislative committee to also investigate Merrimack County Prosecutor's Office, investigate the um, Superior Court, the District Court. How about a federal investigation because the state can't investigate itself, and that's what we're asking for. Okay. We can expand it to, instead of just the YDC case, to all of DCYF and to the foster, to everything. So the investigation— deliver a new demand— the investigation uh, I'm calling for is the people's representative to representatives to investigate. New Hampshire has the best representatives, I believe, in the state. We have a bunch of freedom-minded representatives. So, 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 like for example, Leah Cushman is on the uh, is on a, a health and human services committee. Yeah, Leah's she, awesome. She's a mom. She's a go-getter. She's yeah, a monster. She's, I know. A, she, she's a mom. She's. Uh, 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 you know, she's has good family values. She's like really wants to do a lot of the right things, and um, and 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 she understands these problems. And she also has the gonads to do this, uh, to you know, right. to, to go well, after I these guys. A few more Gerhard. We'll yep. Go hard with Gerhard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I've been talking to Kelly Potenza, and so what we need, what we, what I was talking to her about is a what you're saying, a state board. As well as this federal, this federal investigation would be separate, but it would, you know, we would need a board, but it can't be controlled by their minions. Right, right. It has to also have people like you and maybe me on the board to keep an eye on this review. Right, right. So, so yeah, so there are, are working on a committee to investigate DCYF. Uh, and actually, what we need is some more affidavits. If anybody hears my voice right now that has a has had a bad run in, that has been lied to, that has been treated poorly, that has you know had a uh, a difficult time with uh, DCYF, they have been wronged. Um, please contact me at j at jnoon dot com. That's j a y at j a y n o o n e dot com. Uh, send me an email there. Uh, and I will help you get an affidavit to the correct um, representatives, uh, so your case too can be um, part of this uh, investigation. The problem with DCYF is everything's sealed, as you know. Uh, these yeah. these all their employees, none of them have an oath of office. Um, they all enjoy qualified immunity, and what they do is when they finally get caught doing something wrong, they give these people such large crazy settlements and ask them to sign a non-disclosure so yep, these yep. so the, so the hundreds of millions of dollars that's already been paid out by the New Hampshire D- division of risk and benefit uh to to uh these uh families and these children who have been you know very much damaged by DCYF um those people aren't allowed to talk about it they they sign a non-disclosure right. speak out so risk it, speak out. So, so the thing is, is so part of the problem. Like, I, like I have access. I've done other interviews and, and whatnot. And people, part of it is that the act with the active case going. There's a criminal case and there's the civil case, and you know, there's already affidavits. They've already given affidavits, but they're sealed. Like you said, uh, unfortunately for. Because they were juveniles when it all happened and everything, um, so that's a difficult piece to get around. Um, well, it's actually not. So, like for example, the affidavit that I presented to uh, Leah Cushman 
you know, explains that, you know, uh, social workers uh, uh, that work for DCYF, they lie. Uh, they commit perjury. Uh, family court is not an actual court of record. They take people's children without due process of law, without um, trial by jury, uh, by judgment of peers. People got to just go in and start recording. I've been trying to tell people you've got to go in and record and make them arrest you because if you're representing yourself and then you're recording. So, so you well, haven't been in family court. So, so I know, but it needs to happen there. Well, but, but the problem is, is they have family court hearings against people. Like, for, for example, in my case, they had family court got a contempt order against me and my wife because we said, no, we're not going to uh, let uh, DCYF uh, inspect our house and interview our daughter. But we'll let the local police do it. And the local police reported to DCYF social workers, hey, there's no neglect or abuse here. Yeah. Um, you know, everything's good. And so they got a contempt order after the police told them that they got a contempt order all ex parte. We had no idea these hearings were going on. Hmm. And, in fact, their contempt order is a bunch of garbage at family court. It can't didn't do they get nothing. Dropped? It got vacated because hmm. the the our local police department in Henniker actually did a motion to vacate, you know, all the, the proceedings within the family court because of lies. And because the, the, the local police determined that there was no abuse or neglect. But this is what happens when you have um, agencies that are on witch hunts because I'm against them. I, I, we want to shut this government down. We want to shut the, shut these networks down and get it all abolished. Abolish DCYF. 603-283-6160. Thank you for the call, Footloose. 603-283-6160 is the number you can call to get in on the conversation with us in this last segment. More coming up. Talk Live, it's talk radio that you control. 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Jay. And Joa. And we have been talking all night about different things that a lot of people would call conspiracy theories. So I just thought that was kind of funny. Conspiracy um, facts. Yes, but conspiracy proven facts at this point. Um, not everything that we've been talking about, but one day it probably will be when all truth is revealed. Um, 603-283-6160. We um, are going to get into this article that Jay has, but first I'm just going to let David tell us what trolling thing he has to say. David in New Mexico, you're on Free Talk Live. Trolling? What are you talking about? You like to troll. Oh, yeah, actually I do. I'm not yeah. trolling tonight. Okay. Unless I think of something. Bonnie, you did say at the beginning great. of the show, only and. It's uh, the show that you can troll. That's what That's right. David started saying. Every time. It's the show that you control. So I do. I mean, you invite, so I accept. Um, but uh, see, now, now I blew, you blew my serious train of thought. Where uh, I want to ask Jay a uh, horse, horse question. Go for I'll it. I'll ask Jay a horse question. Uh, uh, but but I, I do want to volunteer. It's been on the, on the list for like literally like a year um, I watched one of Jay's videos that you posted where the, the whatever you call them, DCYF or whoever, whatever you call it in New Hampshire, uh, the the uh, ladies were, or ladies, men, whoever they were, uh, were confronting you was on a, by a car on a road and 
And um, one observation that I've made, and people can hate me for this if you want to, it's just an observation that I consider to be factual, is there, there is a, an inordinate uh, percentage of uh, LGBTQ whatever that are in these child protective agencies. And in my expert gaydar uh, opinion, one of those ladies uh, was LGBTQ whatever. Yep. And so, so what, what, for whatever you can comment on that, if you want, and for whatever sure. that's worth, that was an that was an observation I had. So, if you want to comment on it, do it now, and I have a horse question for you. So that's Melissa Coombs. She's mm-hmm. a social worker. She's she's a lesbian, married to a um. So, a, let, a, let me let me interrupt no adopted you. kids so, either, my, even. She's adopted let, kids. Let me, oh, yep. she does. Let me, Sorry, David. Jay, let me interrupt you for a second. And and uh, and I'm I'm acknowledging that I'm interrupting. Um. So I, I, you, you and I have never discussed that before, right? Right. So, so I was act, my, my observation and my, and my, my uh, bold statement that I have an expert gaydar uh, <laughs> in this case turned out to be turned out to be accurate. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. Like if, if you just internet search her name, is just like, you know, her and her wife. Her wife works for some other state agency, Department of Corrections or something. Uh, adopt a kid. Like for example, if you, uh, you know, um, so the first thing that was. That particular video, I have gotten so much private correspondence on many, many people are like her and her LGBTQ friends. Or no, she wants to take your kids to give to her other, to give to her friends. And they said LGBTQ friends that don't have any children. That's why they're so hell bent on going on, 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 on pursuing you. Uh, When there is kids, uh, when there is actual so they totally ignore the kids that are, like, older, like, you know, hmm. 10, 12, you know, 8 years old because they're Too already, old. like, damaged. Um, so they don't have high value in the adoption marketplace. In fact, you can get all the troubled teenage kids as a foster parent or adopt all the troubled teenage kids that you want. And there's basically – this is why the youth detention centers have all these teens in them because nobody wants to adopt them. Nobody wants to deal with them. They're a pain in the butt. They're unruly. Uh, you know, they've been abused and traumatized. You know, they're all in this system. But when you have six-month-old and two-year-old kids that are healthy – um, and, and don't have any trauma. They are extremely valuable. So this is why they tried so hard to get me to contract with them. There also, let me add something to that. There's also the, the psychological element, and I'm not an expert, but I believe this to be true, that they are at a young enough age where they will forget whatever bond that they had with yep. their previous biological parents, and they will form a new bond with their new non-biological parents. And that can be fostered by the, the non-biological adoptive parents lying to them and telling them that they are their biological parents. And I know that this happens because it happened to me. With your kids or with you as a kid? No, no with, with, with my children. There mm. were lies uh, told, told to my children uh, about you, you just one one uh, white male disappears and a new one shows up a month later and uh, what no no that's that's your father mm-hmm. and and you know what what what's a kid you know and if you get them they were young enough that 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 is possible they were both still in diapers right so it's possible to pull that off yeah, yeah. It, it's not a hundred it's not a hundred percent because one of them was approaching three years old and I and my earliest memory is eighteen months and so it's it, it's possible that that could happen. Uh, but not guaranteed. Yeah, the the brain the brain goes ninety five percent of brain development happens before six years old. So the first right. six years in a child's life is when you have the ability to program them. 
So if you're leaving your child to like an internet device or you're feeding them sugar or junk food or giving them soda, you you, you know, you're not programming, programming them, big tech's programming them, the food industry's programming them, make them at making them addicts. Uh, We have as parents, we have the ability uh, essentially 100% to control every input into our child's life. And, and if, if we, uh, this is why I need to educate people how not to screw their kids up. Because a lot of people are unknowingly screwing their kids up by letting them use internet devices, feeding them junk food, buying candy for them. Dizzy. Yeah, know. my mom was looking up the other day. I'm not trying to be mean to my mom or anything. Yeah, you I, are. I don't think she knew, but she was looking up the other day what she could do to help my little brother get taller. And I was like, I've been telling you for like years to stop feeding them the stuff you feed them. Like, that's what the internet's going to tell you if you find like the truth anyway. Well, thank you for your call, David. I think we should get into the article that Jay brought in about teachers quitting en masse. So, yes, uh, David, sorry I didn't get to uh, answer that horse question for oh, you. Maybe sorry. you'll call back next yeah, week. Too uh, many a long, things at once. Question, too many though. topics at once. He had a good first question. Yeah. So this comes out of usatoday.com, uh, and it is, uh, well, the, the headline of the article is, I just found myself self struggling to keep up. Numbers of teachers quitting hits new highs. The data is in. More teachers than usual exited the classroom after last school year, confirming longstanding fears that pandemic-era stresses would prompt an outflow of educators. It's kind of weird that there's a lot of industries that it almost seems like this was purposely done to, like nursing. Nikki, I was about to say my friend Nikki, but this, uh, (laughs) sorry, Nikki our co-host that's on Wednesdays and Sundays, she um, is a nurse, and she said that so many people she knew uh, were quitting during COVID because they were like, "Wow, I'm making ab- about the same amount as mo- the same about amount of money as people working at McDonald's right now, but like breaking my back and wiping old people's butts and yeah. stuff like that." So I'm quitting. They made it so unappealing; it almost seemed like on purpose. Like a whole bunch of people quit working as nurses and there's other industries that a whole bunch of people quit at once and um well they had the incentive that they could just sit on their couch and make 600 bucks a week at, the, at, at one point but which, um which becomes very addictive mm-hmm. makes i mean there's a lot sense. of people i know of that literally either lost their job or quit their job or something happened like in in 2020 and they still have not gone back to work mm-hmm. and like like i know about four different guys uh that lost their job covid related early 2020 and so they got like the they were getting basically unemployed several hundred dollars more a week between like the sure. federal thing and the state thing for the unemployment like one guy told me that he was bringing home like eight ten a week and he was basically getting something like eleven fifty five a week uh after the unemployment and then the federal you know money and he this you know and then one of them dropped off a couple hundred dollars worth and uh, and now he's not collecting anything, uh, and he's just, you know, working some side jobs because, you know, that's all done. But, uh, yeah, he's just, you know, got they, they just get really comfortable. Mm. <clears throat> Anyways, getting back into this, um, in Washington State, more teachers left the classroom uh, after last school year than any other point in the last three decades. Maryland and Louisiana saw more teachers depart at any other time in the last decade. And North Carolina saw a particularly alarming trend of more teachers leaving mid-school year. Uh, <clears throat> turnover increases were not massive, but actually, based on uh, uh, what I've read here about you know these these turnovers, they have really high turnovers. So instead Does that of going, mean like somebody quitting like, and a yeah, new person replaced. getting hired? Yeah. So for example, uh, many states, uh, 
you have uh, so the high, so a lot of turnover rates of um, you know uh, 12, 14, 18 uh, percent, and they've in all these one states that they listed, their turnover rates have like increased in the past couple years, you know, a few percent. In fact, uh, it's, al- it's always been that way though. Like a lot of people went to school to become a teacher, and they're looking for like that specific age group or uh, grade to, to work at as a teacher and they can't get it in their area so when they see that a teacher retired or quit it's like an opportunity and people jump on these uh these positions quick well so there, there's a lot of um you know this you know sort of stereotypes like you know being a teacher it's an easy job you know you get the summers off and you get all these weekends and these holidays and uh you know all kinds of stuff that you don't have to work but like they're well, I'll get more into that in a minute. But anyways, with these turnover rates, um, Austin uh, watched their turnover rate go from 17% to 24%. So what I understand a turnover rate means, uh, if it's 24%, that means 24% of your staff is quitting, hmm. uh, which that is like very difficult to manage. So uh, there's a lot of reasons for this. Uh, and some of these are uh, that I'm going to list off are not in this article, but they're in this article also. But a lot of the reasons is um, teachers are burnt out. So these teachers, you know, a lot of them go into this job sort of not prepared for what they're doing. I, I have a cousin who I went to school, you know, basically as an art major to become you know, an art teacher. And she only did that for one year. She's like, screw this. And she says, you know, basically you're making like 16 bucks an hour, which doesn't even cover your rent. And a a lot of time with the culture of the kind of people who are becoming teachers, you know, they're not, you know, getting with a, you know, they're a woman that's not getting with a man or they're a man that's not, you know, they're, they're independent people. They're sort of, you know, the... The, the kind of people that are, you know, going to be by themselves, trying to live in an apartment by themselves. Wait, you're telling me that my teachers were miserable people? Yeah, I can't well, believe that. I'm just, Jeez, I'm just saying not now. Why were like, they drinking behind the desk? <laughs> like a lot of the old school teachers I know, for example, like a lot of the farmers I dealt with in upstate New York that I bought hay from, their wives were teachers. And why were their wives teachers? Well, you know, the pay wasn't awesome. But you got all these benefits and pension. That's what they were going after. That was like the big draw. So if your wife's a teacher and you're a farmer, now you get all this health care. You get these, you know, all kinds of benefits, annuities, pension fund, all this, that, and the other thing. You, if your wife dies, that's a school teacher. You inherit, a, you know, a portions of these, you know, pensions and annuities. I don't know how all these financial instruments work, but there's like a lot of a lot incentives of there. Turning wheels with the teachers, and there's so. I've been listening listening to some like uh, you know YouTube type stuff while I'm working, and it just and of uh, like these teachers are complaining about how the kids are out of control. Yeah, the kids are coming. Like the one guy is like a middle school teacher. He's like, ah, I, I think I'm gonna quit. I gotta quit because you know I'm I'm at this middle school, and he doesn't say what city. And he says he's teaching sixth grade, and the sixth graders are all getting high mm. on. Uh, vape devices. Whoa! Uh, they're all vaping, and basically, he's he says he's in a good section of town, and that the that the kids are like, "Hey, man, I'm only coming here because my parents gonna go to jail if I don't." And they basically check in, and then they skip the rest of the day. Uh, this is and 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 you you see like, uh, there's just the kids are out of control. They're a holes. Uh, so the teachers don't want to deal with them. And if you look at it, that I, mean, I think that's a a main reason why. I think teachers are quitting is the kids are really bratty nowadays, like really bad. So entitled like we were talking LGBTQ about the to 
just the inner city slang going into just everywhere, not just the city. And it, it, I can imagine what teachers put up with. And I'm not saying they uh, don't get paid what they deserve. They they probably do, probably more so. But <clears throat> dang, they got to deal with all these. These kids are just terrible nowadays hmm. in public schools. Take your kids out of public I've schools. I've heard about and, that a lot. Like, I don't know for sure, but yep. it oh, seems like it. it. Yeah. Hmm. The, these teachers quitting is actually really good news. And hopefully, yeah. because they're probably good teachers, just like all the all the cops that quit working for police departments that mandated vaccines, just like all the nurses that quit working or got fired uh, because their places were mandating them to get vaxxed or mandating them to wear these masks and do all this you know, nonsense. Uh, and then what you got left is all the, is, is all the woke zombies. So wait, you said cops quitting? Yeah, so a whole bunch of cops mm-hmm. in Massachusetts, state troopers quit. A whole bunch this of this year. Uh, well, a cu- couple of years ago because uh, they were all forced to vaccinate. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, for example, well, I was going to bring up this is that uh, recently in New York. Uh, what's well, one second? The Daily Wire mm-hmm. put an article out about more than twenty five hundred uh, New York uh, cops have quit New this York year. State or New York City? Uh, the city. The city. Yeah, that that's pretty crazy. Yeah, twenty five hundred. But what's what I think is crazy what they talk about here. I'm not going to go over the whole article, uh, but um, it's forty three percent higher than 2018. Uh, but it's also um, when we get to here. The thing is, is like so many people like don't want to be working in government because nobody you get no respect when you work in a parasite uh. class. And that, so, that's how and, it should be. That's yeah. a huge problem. I think it's good because that that's what I was just yeah, talking about good. with Nikki and um, Lori yesterday. We were saying, I think it's not really, but kind of activism. Before I was ever an activist, before I ever lived in New Hampshire, I just would make a point to never be the, kind to cops. Like, I want them to know I don't appreciate what they're doing. Like, well, they come up to you and make a joke and you're like, why are you talking to me? Like, it's well, not illegal to do that. And you tell them, I don't like you. I don't appreciate what you're doing. What's super interesting, though, about uh, this, though, is that a lot of them are quitting before they even get their pension. So mm-hmm. they, they're they talking about 2,500 cops quitting. And yeah, okay, so they're within the 20-year range. And then a lot of them have quit. So like about 1,500 of these, they're saying, quit and got their pensions. So they, they've put 20 years in. But a, over 1,000... Over a thousand, uh, where is it? One thousand forty officers quit before their pension, which is before they're eligible to get their pension. Yeah, which is kind of walking away from a that, lot of money. Like, yeah, if you're only that, a few years away. But then, like, you think about like the fifteen hundred cops that walked away with their pension, or like they still retired a little early, right? That everyone has to pay for their pensions now. So, so you bring up the pension, so. Uh, and, and, and so I, there's a whole bunch of reasons why you know teachers you know are quitting because they can get paid better, they can get respected. Uh, they're under so a lot of these teachers are going into this and they're realizing that the public school system is literally just it's just government subsidized daycare mm-hmm. for uh, for 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 th- uh, children of lazy parents. Yes, yeah. exactly. is really the bottom and it's line. Like, not like the kids or their parents actually like really want to learn, and you're, you're like saving their lives. Like you, some teachers may go into it thinking. So the public school has to ex- accept all of the problematic children because the lazy or the Good. addicted parents. Well, no, they don't have and, to. They can kick them out. No, no. They, well, 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 they have to because they need them in there so they can get the funding. Mm-hmm. Like uh, definitely there was some some issues when, you know, uh, I forget who it was. Somebody I was talking to said that he would skip school all the time. Mm-hmm. And the principal was like, listen, just I need you here in the morning and then just leave. 
Well, but just come in because we're not going to, we, we need the numbers, mm-hmm. um, you know, so we can get paid. We need the money. It must have changed since then, or maybe it was just different in my school district in Texas because they were mad that I was like skipping in the middle of the day, just like going to the bathroom with my friends and hiding out, which is so stupid. Well, it's not really stupid. Like I didn't want to be in these stupid classes either, but it's just um, like, not that that's much more fun. But when you're in high school, it's like, we got this hookah pen and we're going to go to the bathrooms <laughs> and smoke it instead of, you know, sit there and learn math or whatever but they were really serious about me skipping class that's what he said and i didn't know what he was talking about and he was seriously yelling at me in his office he, he just he wasn't even yeah, saying skipping class this, yeah. yeah it was just saying <laughs> skipping i was like what is that skipping doing some kind of a drug like i did so, not know what he was saying so if you're like you know one of these um you know somebody who's got all this college you know accreditation which i think is absolutely worthless mm-hmm. all, you know especially when the accreditation comes from colleges that are sponsored and endowed by a whole bunch of Jeffrey Epstein's client list. You just walk around these colleges and just look at these plaques and, you know, see who's donating and start mm. looking up about who these people are. Wow. So, uh, when you're, uh, so I, I, uh, another video I, I listened to, this teacher was like, she's like, I make $16 an hour as a teacher. Like, this, you know, video was released like a week ago. You can and, make 18 at McDonald's. And she's, uh, that's exa- exactly that. She, mm-hmm. she, she was like, I can, I make more money. You know, I got to work a job on the weekends, but, and she's like, I shouldn't have to do this. She's mm-hmm. like, between my student loan payment, uh, oh, oh, she's like, my teacher job just pays for my rent. Yeah. She says, that's it. But also, she, you know, she's like one of these like liberal type women that, you know, pro- probably doesn't have a, a significant other. So it's like that's a lot of living expense when you're an adult just living by yourself in an apartment versus having a significant other. I don't, you know, I don't care who you're married to. That, that's your decision. But whether you're, you know, or, or a boyfriend or, or just at least a partner to help even split those bills really helps a lot. So you have a lot of these so-called single independent people. Um, uh, and, you know, quite frankly, like... Uh, you know, the, the, the women really aren't designed to be independent. They need a man. They need help. Uh, you know, we're not designed to be alone. And men aren't designed to be, you know, uh, independent either. They they are designed to have a woman in their life. There's like a lot of proper balance that comes from basically, you know, being traditional type, you know, family, being married, having trust in someone else, security in someone else. It gives you a lot of confidence. I, it does a lot of things. I saw a picture of Ian just from like 10 years ago. It's not like it's just that he was young. Like he was in his 30s, he was full grown, and he looked so much skinnier than he is now. I was like comparing pictures of him, and I think it's just that he was like basically starving before I met him of actual nutrients. He was just eating microwave food, so like he might have eaten a lot of stuff, like in weight. But he wasn't actually getting anything right. nutritious into That's his right. body, so like, he was like you dying. can eat McDonald's all day, yeah, you're and gonna not get like any nutrients. You're like, gonna be healthier with somebody. Who cares about you? Then alone uh, is really the bottom line. So anyways, these teachers aren't, you know, so in in today's uh, economy, like, you know, you need to make a lot of money to basically live in any of these cities or to live in any of these apartments. And, you know, everything is so expensive. Thank you to fractional reserve banking. Thank you to all of the taxation and regulation. Like this lady who want the government to just give her money because she doesn't make enough money with the job she chose. But if if all the nuances of government weren't there in her life, she could afford it on her own. Right. And she doesn't get that. what we're getting at, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just, you know, just think of all the money we could save by not giving uh, welfare checks to all the people who are using fentanyl and and, and heroin on the streets, Mm -hmm. you know. Every one of them's on some form of welfare. And honestly, those are the. I, I, I like to think that if there was a system, a collapse of the system, 
that the last thing that would be cut would be these social systems, right? So let welfare and uh, food stamps, those sort of things, let that be the last thing. I want to get the government out of like the bigger things, like like income tax. <laughs> get them out of the bigger things that are you know funding all the smaller things, and then you probably the, won't have to worry the about the smaller things. The taxes aren't even funding it; they're just you know they, right, right. They but just keep on yeah. borrowing money into oblivion, printing, printing money it. out of thin air. You guys know who uh, Robert Kiyosaki is? He's the um, author of. He said, uh, "Rich Dad, Poor Dad." Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Never yeah. read it, but I've heard of it. So anyways, he, he, he's got some really great stuff out there about financial things, and he talks a lot about it. And so he, he was saying, uh, one of his podcasts was talking about how the average firefighter in, like, an American city has a pension that is, like, $1.2 million. They're going to retire with $1.2 million pension, like, right Whoa. now, the average firefighters. Uh, this is why drive-by a fire department, they're all driving, like, Camaros, you know, uh, Mustangs, you know, in the summertime and then on rainy days and in the wintertime, they got their diesel F3, they got $100,000 pickup trucks yeah. and $50,000 cars. Are, these are firefighters that work in the cities mostly where it's not volunteer. Right, right. Full-time fire departments. Well, here's the thing. He, he, he talks about the, basically the pensions on these governments. They're like, they're not funded well at all. And I believe I, this number, I could be wrong, but I think he said that like basically like just on like the unfunded liabilities of like the federal pension system for all the federal government, it's like something like $372 trillion. Now, that might be all of the municipal pensions. That's still crazy. Like I heard that you could set down a dollar bill every second and never in your lifetime set down a trillion dollars. Maybe that... Not even a billion, I don't think, right? Yeah, so... That just puts it in perspective for you. I feel like that's kind of obvious. Like, I don't think you live for a trillion seconds in your life. But it, it's just, if you think about it like that, 378 bil- trillion, is that trillion, it was the number he said. That is It's an incalculable number. Insane. So so the pensions are all, you know, they're all basically garbage. Uh, they're not even offering pensions in, in, in a lot of places for teachers now. So, but it's not sustainable to be a teacher. I mean, literally the idea that you were a teacher is because... You know, you had a husband with a job that made most of the money and, you know, and, and it was also an economy where like, you know, in 1970, the average American guy could basically pay for his house and, and, and his taxes and, and a whole bunch of things for one week. And family. And then he get then another week's pay paid for all the other expenses. And then you save, the, the, you know, 25% of your month. pay. Well, it's been Free Talk Live. Thank you for listening. You can go um, find more at freetalklive.com. And it's been a good show. Peace. Good night. Good night. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com.